Good afternoon, and welcome to MGO Podcast. Welcome to MGO Podcast 15.1. I hope we're as locked in as J.J. McCarthy, because if we are, it's going to be a good podcast. Hey guys, did you know that the original title of the Black Eyed Peas Let's Get It Started was something I am not comfortable repeating on a podcast? Anyway, college football has returned. It, it returned the week before, though. Yeah. This was week one. Wait, okay. Week Michigan football has returned. Hey. College football is on the MGO blog style of podcast numbering. You guys, are, like, you guys are being totally started right now. Week zero. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, very visual podcast. The look that Dave just gave me was incredible. I'm Brian Cook. I'm Seth Fisher. I'm David Nasternak. This is the MGO Blog Podcast, but before we get started, we would like to thank our sponsors, particularly Underground Printing, for making this all possible. Check them out at UGPMichiganApparel.com or check out our selection of shirts on the MGOBlogstore.com. Let's not forget our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Homeshire Lending, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grad, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Signal Wire, Winewood Organics, the Nosebleeds, which is the Scarblaze. Re- oh, we have too many sponsors to, for me to no, do this in one, one, one no, we don't. Stop that. The Nosebleeds, which is the Sklar Brothers reboot of Cheap Seats on UFC Fight Pass and Venue by 4M, where we are recording this and where we are tailgating. This Saturday, we'll be here around 1030. The Sklars will be here. They have three shows this weekend that you should definitely go to all three of them because they will be the same. <laughs> you should say that they're different. Well, that would, that, be a, might work. that would be a lie, though. They probably will be different. All right. Uh, Michigan 30, ECU 3. I think we don't really need a ruling on this, but Dave, sad field goal ruling. Well, so it looked like they weren't going to do that, right? Because they get down inside the 20 or 25, and they go for it. And I was like, all right, here we go. And then they drive all the way down at the end and call timeouts. With 46 seconds left. To get within 27. Spurring a full media timeout. That red hat which, comes out, and he just like I thought somebody left, was sidelined. I like, left. It chased Brian from the. I was stadium. like, I have self-respect. I am not waiting through another two minutes and thirty-five seconds of nonsense. Uh, so we I, were we were, op- were directly opposite him, and I swear there I was looking at the the like fans on the other side of the stadium, like, and I'm sure a bunch of them were like, I have to stop this. Like they were going to take it into their hands and <laughs> jump on the field and tackle Red Hat and prevent him from doing. So in this, this case, it's not his fault. It's that it's, it's the true. ECU coaches. So so we well, we sit above. It's the ECU coaches, and also whoever on Peacock, and there were people in the game who were like. I'm really sick of the five peacock commercials because on these streaming surfaces, yeah, they're that's... not they're not making any money on the ad breaks because like well they, they have sell ad they breaks. have I mean they do but they're getting like it's like Twitter ads now where it's like okay uh, 
I'm going to give you 50 cents and you're going to advertise my crypto grift. And like the amount of money they're making from these ad breaks is not so we right reasonable. I sit above your section, like well, you're like one section over, but like I sit above you, and so I can see you pretty much all the time. And so we we saw you walk up the stairs. It must be very we're like, oh, to we watch were whispering. We were like, all right, well, he's coming up. Oh, he's leaving. No, he stopped because you you got yeah. like right to the and you were going to sit down like right before the tunnel yeah. to watch the end of the game. And then the timeouts happen, and you're like, I can't do this. And I we're can't. like, oh, there goes Brian, and he's out. I, I, why did you stay? Why? Yeah. I always stay till the end. I mean, I stopped. I, I used to have that in me, but it's been beaten out of me. I just can't. It was like, it's the first game back. I wanted it's to It's disrespectful. They had, a, they had a commercial break with 19 seconds before the end of the quarter. That, yes, I, I, I understand it's, all of these things. I'm, Chip Kelly is, is mad about it. Anyway, so they kick a field goal. <laughs> it, was, it, it was ridiculous. I, I mean, I stay because I have, like, people to meet with after the, after the game. But, like, I did not – it was – ah, it was dumb. It so, was very dumb. And yes. It was dumb of ECU to, like, try to get on ah, – It was whatever. a sad field goal, but the caveat is, is I believe they've scored in, like, over 300 straight games. Okay. And they were not going to get shut out. I see. So but – but if that's the case, don't you just kick the field goal with six minutes left? And then you'd be like, hey, we just came here to score. And then the end of the game. I mean, I do you mean, think that you're going to score 27 six, more points with six minutes in left five minutes? You have to play to win. I, I think if what? you kick a, in a, a thirty to nothing field game? goal, if you kicked it at six minutes, then at the end of the game, at the end of the game, it's just like let's just keep our streak alive and say that we we scored some points in Michigan Stadium. That's fair. It's point. sadder if they think kicked it at six minutes because then it's like yeah. we're giving up and we're just you know trying to go for some. But you're not making now. Brian sit there at the end. Because the, the field goal's already been kicked. It has been well established that nobody in college football cares about Brian. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to think of somebody. <laughs> Stephen Godfrey. <laughs> is he working inside right now, or is he he's still on outside? What? Where's Scott? Godfrey doesn't have a say in anything, does he? No, I was just joking. Okay. <laughs> but I loved his, his – he had back-to-back tweets that were like – this SMU sign that says we did NIL before it was cool is good. And then he was incensed that like the Michigan players liked Jim Harbaugh. He was like, can you imagine if anyone else did this? I'm like, do you remember when Kansas got hit with like level one violations and like the next day there was the video of Bill Self with his chains and <laughs> just like, ah, oh, I'm a gangster. <laughs> do you remember Ohio State? Their season ended because they couldn't go to the postseason because Jim Trestle got caught with his stupid emails. And then they carried him off the field. Yeah. And then they made him like the president of Youngstown State. So what is Urban Meyer doing <laughs> right now? He's, what is his job? He's cutting another video. They, he, did you, no, but did no. you hear about the Florida? I haven't watched it yet. The Swamp the, Kings? The Swamp Kings, which is just like a advertisement for yeah. Urban Meyer to get back into college football. Yeah. Which, you know, the idea of like a like what, insider what? documentary on that part of Florida would be interesting because there were a number of things that happened. If they asked happened. anyone who could tell the truth. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, but the what, point is yes. – what would happen if any other program did this is just like, wow. Yeah. That guy has totally started. <laughs> well, that's twice. <laughs> so should we talk about the Harbaugh stuff? Yeah. What? Nah. Like, what Harbaugh stuff? Well, JJ with the shirt. Nah. That's not funny. It's just like they, free Harbaugh. They, bring, like, they bring back Train. They brought back Train and they and all they put the four up, up there. They denied then... that that was Harbaugh related yeah. in the postgame okay. press conference. What? 
They, I'm just saying that's if what you're gonna did. wear a free hardball shirt, at least own that. And if you're it. gonna Paul, put your fingers up for four. Well, if, if you, if you, if you, and, and run train in the first quarter, <laughs> in, the first, in the first time you have the opportunity. I'm just to. saying they denied it was hardball related, and and that uh, that makes but, me madder than doing the, than but, the train. Thing. But Harbaugh, but like he like. JJ was like saying that he wanted his coach back. He wore the shirt, so there's no reason to deny. Yeah, was, I just believe that was all JJ's idea, bringing back well, Train because he probably watched it when he was, I, you know, I, twelve. Sure, I just it's fine. All and the then, right people were furious about it. So well done, Michigan. Right, like Michigan State fans were like, oh, God, this is late. They lack institutional control. <laughs> Michigan State fans are like, that's cringe. I'm like, you are talking. <laughs> Like Mel Tucker looks like one of the like MAGA reply guys. He's always smoking a cigarette with his cool sunglasses. He's driving around. Cigar. With his, yeah, yeah, cigar. I mean, yeah. yeah, like he's driving around in the Polaris. Like, all right, you want to talk cringe? Come on. Anyway, there was a football and back game. To football. There was some offense. Thirty-three. We're we're going to start talking about the offense, and the most important development from the day is that JJ McCarthy looks like he has made the leap. Uh-huh. And this wasn't J.J. McCarthy throwing to wide open receivers. I was actually pretty impressed. Well, there were a number. Of there them. were a number of them, but there, I was actually pretty impressed with ECU's ability to, to to cover on a couple instances. And then you have, I think, the capper is the third Roman Wilson touchdown. That was where he looks off the flat defender, he pumps it, and then he lays in what is going to be like a plus three in my charting, just yeah. a. A dime, absolute gorgeous, and he's not, Roman Wilson's not a big guy, nor does he like go up high in the air. So he's only got a small window to fit that in. Yeah, and that was the capper, but he was twenty six to thirty on the day, and a couple of those incompletions were the ball getting punched out. Yeah, they, the throws weren't bad. It was just good play by the defense, and uh, man. His ability to climb the pocket, to escape the pocket, and find something to do, to uh, bamboozle the replay official <laughs> at critical moments. He extended yeah, the was... neutral zone was the way I was well, describe it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could argue that like the, 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 the back foot was barely overlapping the line. I, I don't think so. The, the, right. No, I mean... No, you, you can't say it with the line. What you could say is that the neutral zone starts with, like, the, the, the length of the ball is the neutral zone. So you have that extra little space beyond the line uh-huh. is actually a space you're allowed to throw in. And he probably had, like, you know, a micro piece of his foot. That's that fine. That's there. what the offside rule should that be is, in soccer. Right. If it's close, it's good. But it was that, that was if, it, too. if it's a cool play, we let it stand. I think that That's, play is going to end up in our like of the decade like plus ref calls. No, Have, there's no way. Well, we've probably got like one or two so far for the list. One so far for the. I list. mean, it'll, it'll be in, it'll be on the list, but it'll be in the honorable mentions probably. I think it's going to make the list. We'll we'll come back anyway, to that when that's, it happens. That's a conversation for seven <laughs> years down the road, right? Um, any, <laughs> anyway. So the difference between Michigan's approach with McCarthy last year and their approach this year, I think, was stark. Because as soon as they got past that first drive where they were backed up and they are just run, 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 it was like, okay, this team is running it down. Not, not running it down our throats. They were shooting linebackers at the running line of Running their players down yeah. Michigan's throat. But safeties were <laughs> activating at the snap almost. Yeah. yeah. So, and they're like, okay, we're just not going to put up with this. Yeah. 
And so they'd run a ton of play action, which is something that we mm-hmm. banged the table for in our preseason First podcast. down play action. First down play action. And you saw, on many occasions, seven or eight guys suck up to the line of scrimmage, and then it's academic beyond that. I really wish that the ECU safety hadn't interfered with Roman Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he knew what he was doing. Yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> that was that a was smart a, play. That was a good play. Yeah, yeah that exactly. was like, what else are you going to do at that point? Yeah. But... So there's another dime from McCarthy that doesn't make his stats. Mm-hmm. His accuracy uh, was 86%. I think set a program record for someone with more than 10 attempts. Yeah. And, you know, in the season preview, I'm like, the training wheels have to come off for J.J. McCarthy if this is going to be a championship season. And it looks like that is a definitive yes. And he made a number of those throws on the move, too, because the pass protection, while being mostly fine there were some breakdowns and he had to leave and move around and yeah some of those throws were not like he's only just sitting in the pocket he's rolling out and he's made a couple of them now he uh, i think one or two of his you know not as great throws were also him on the move but he also made a handful where he's moving around and you know made an nfl throw off that yeah i mean his ability to be accurate on the move really stood out last year especially deep Mm-hmm. Like there were those, you know, waggles yeah. where you're like, okay, we're going to dump it off to the fullback. And then he throws a 30-yard dart to Cornelius Johnson. Right. And that continued. Um, there was only like one play where I was like, ah, I don't really like that. Is an incompletion to Roman Wilson where he breaks the pocket and he immediately throws it. And Roman Wilson's open, but the ball's a little short and he yeah. can't mm-hmm. bring it in. And I was like, you're you're out. Just keep going. Yeah. Just keep going, and that that throw will be easier yeah. as you approach the line of scrimmage. So he might have run out of room. Like, Wilson was approaching the sideline. If I he know. takes a few more steps, that throw may not be there. But then he also could just run for – there wasn't really right. a whole lot in front and of him. And he did a really great job of when he broke the pocket, keeping his eyes downfield, yes. not settling for a short run. All day. All day, yeah. And, like, there was there were a couple incidents that I, f- I found going over the film for the season preview where he'd break the pocket and he'd get a defender to him, like, leaving Colston Loveland un- unchecked. Right. <laughs> and he would just run for four or five yards on the third down. We didn't see that at all. Like, his decisions, I think, were close to impeccable. There was the throw in the end zone. And there's the dump off to, to Corm where if he was reading... You mean the, he, the flip? Yeah, the flip. Well, yeah. Uh, but he had two. Yeah, but before he uh, before he threw that to Corum, and not the, not the one where he was just like trying to save himself. There was one where he just dumped it off to Corum, and his read he skipped past Cornelius Johnson, who was singled on the outside on the backside, mm. and Johnson had all the space in the world just to stop. And the guy <laughs> he had tons of room to throw that for a first down and maybe a pickup a little bit more. Um, but that was just a you know he. He was feeling pressure. He thought it was a run blitz. He didn't want to look back to that side. And then once he was stuck on the right side, he just read, 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 and then checked down to Corum. Well, I mean, if if these are the complaints (laughs) we have. So I didn't chart the fourth quarter. I stopped at the end of the third quarter. But I tried to go through every, like, play he makes and then go, like, you know, negative if it's bad, positive if you really like it. I'm aware of how we do this stuff. Yeah, but I'm not grading the way sure. that you are. Yeah. I'm just trying to do get a general sense. And out of, I think I charted like 30 incidents, and he had like three negatives, in my opinion. Like, I mean, you know, you can flip-flop between positive and neutral based on how hard the throw is. Yeah. But like, I mean, they're just, he didn't do almost anything wrong. Yeah, and back to the... Uh, throw in the end zone that the linebacker is able to get a finger on mm-hmm. well, more than a finger. I don't mind that. I mean, like he does have Barner though. Like it's just under throw. I know. I just think that's a great 
play. Yeah. I like that guy. I was like, that guy has freaky long arms. Like yeah. usually, you're gonna fit that one in. But if he hits the pylon, it's touchdown. I think. Yeah. But yeah, again, he, if he could have had a little bit more loft, and I think he was trying to make the perfect like, throw. And so the incompletions yeah. are that one, the one that we talked about to Wilson where he broke the pocket, mm-hmm. one and two, where the ball got knocked out. Well, no, the one was where Cornelius Johnson he threw it behind Cornelius Johnson on the um, the forty five second drive. Oh right, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I I thought that was on Johnson not paying attention, and then on rewatch it it was no, he definitely just it, he yeah. just missed it. Yeah. All right, so there's the one. So that's it. Yep. Those are your four incompletions on a day where he had twenty six. I mean they they relied on him. Yeah. And they really broke that tendency from last year to just run, 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 run. run. So do you think this is because Craig and I were talking about this all day after the game? He he thinks that this is what other teams are just going to do is they're just going to take away the run game and, and beg McCarthy to beat them. Now, I said, okay, but the last four games, McCarthy has said, sure, and done it. But So a couple things on that. One, um, McCarthy's keeps were not on. so Yeah, he that, didn't have a design yeah. run all day. Yeah, he did not have any run, design runs, and any time there was a zone read, it wasn't really a zone read. I, I did go back to that, and I, I, I tweeted something out about how they were leaving guys unblocked on mesh points. That happened a couple of times, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a primary factor, but it, it did pop up a couple of times. Yeah, there was one time where they had a cornerback blitz on, and the cornerback just made a beeline for, yeah. for Quorum. And you saw, cause JJ will tell you when he gets it wrong because, like, he jumps up and down afterwards. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he, he didn't do that because he was not keeping the ball at all. Right, Great right. poker face. Yeah. Um, the one complaint I had play calling wise other than just running into the you know trying to mash them and go yeah. six offensive linemen was you mean on the goal to go not just the goal to go they had a lot of six ol out there like they yeah they'd bring in trenty jones trenty we'll jones was end. like a starter on this yeah team. he was a tight end he and max bredesen they had to play their best tackle yeah <laughs> <laughs> meow <laughs> did you meow again i did all right um they need to run play action more than one time in a row because every single time after a play action play, they would get the you know the play action yeah. would work, and then the next play they would be a run and yeah. ECU would be run blitzing. Well, and then the other thing that they did is they went back to the old Lloyd Carr staple and they were really tipping run pass with their wide receiver substitution. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think that's just a Lloyd Carr thing. Like Harbaugh's done that. Darius Clemens is definitely I mean, on the Lloyd Andrew Carr Anthony wide receiver block blocked a lot when he was in the game the last year. Well, but yeah. and, Andrew Anthony did get a lot of like. He he got 20 he, targets last year. Okay. Darius Clemens did not get a, get even, like, a glance. Every he single a, time he, he was in, it was... Well, yeah, but he didn't get it until, like, the fourth quarter. Right. Third. Third, yeah. So I, it, was, it was... the third. Once it got to 30 to nothing, it was over. Or, I, I like, my, my... Yeah. I think that the competitive part of the game was over, and yeah. it was just a, a grind down. So, that's a complaint. The wide receiver tipping... Is a complaint, and then the other complaint in terms of play calling was the goal to go sequence with Donovan Edwards, mm-hmm. where they just ran the same play but five that was times. Just him trying to get him a touchdown. I know. I'm not saying it's okay, and it's thirty to nothing. But this is—I don't think this is relevant to Michigan's play calling future. This is like, you know, Edwards said, "Hey, I might be transferring if you don't give me a touchdown this game." <laughs> Donovan Edwards is not transferring. I know, but it. But that was. I'm what going the play, to the NFL, right? You can't, but that's what the play. That, I mean, again. they gave well, they, the ball like six times. I, on that drive. Yeah, but the thing is, is like I understand. Like, let's get Donovan Edwards a touchdown, but running the dive five straight times, like there are other plays that we have in the red zone. We could try one of those. I, I don't disagree. It's just so, that, like, yeah. I mean, I just think like the whole. 
we're going to man ball it up and just do it. It's like, you, if, can, you can do that if you have Ben Mason. Yeah. Or Blake Corum, but with Donovan Edwards, it's like, all right, let's pull a guard or something. Well, they can't do it from your shotgun if you're not going to have the quarterback be a run threat because they were leaving the edge wide open if J.J. wanted to walk in. They knew J.J. wasn't going to throw it. They knew J.J. wasn't going to run out there. So they just, everyone dove inside. And if you want to play like that, line up in a goal line eye and run behind the fullback. There's a way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but that's pretty much the end of our complaints about their approach and i think their play action approach was much improved yeah because the boggling stat from the season preview is that michigan led the nation in yards per attempt on play action last year by a huge margin which is not good i mean you want well, it, it you want it to come it means you're good it just means that you you're want, like not, you're not using your good that's what i mean yeah. right. it's like if your stolen base percentages are <clears throat> too high you're not running enough right mm. and they were 67th of 78 qualifying quarterbacks in percentage of play action throws and i was just like i looked at this and i was like <sighs> right and also so, that has become the trendy thing is what you do is play action first down because it almost always you get something well if you have michigan's offense like well i mean the nfl does it all the time too. <clears throat> well you're also i mean for michigan you're gonna have to go through some of these games where you're just gonna be a pass first team yeah and if you want to be efficient if you just want to grind it out i mean i guess you can probably do that against most of these teams but i i'm hoping that what we see is an offense that's trying to keep opponents off balance instead of one that is just trying to do what they do and then hit you a couple of times a game for a big play, the Borges approach. Right. <clears throat> so Craig will not let me have dinner tonight if I don't bring up the fact that they ran it three straight times when they were on their own one. Yeah. And, and didn't throw outside at all. I mean, it's the first series you have a, a guy who's like a first time play caller and kurt mm-hmm. campbell who's like probably, the third campbell the third guy in the play calling right group, right right and you can't get off your own one like i think if you get off your own one and you get to the four on that first play then yeah you've got but his thing is like from my own one i want to throw to the flats <sighs> like he's like running up the middle you get a yard yeah. or two if you throw outside the corners are usually back but you were just talking about how Craig thinks Michigan State's going to beat Washington, right? Uh, so he, he will tell you that himself. Well, and so if you want to make some money out there, find Craig Ross, find and, Craig Ross. and make that bet. I don't, uh, But not too he, much because I don't want him to go bankrupt. He's not a betting man. That is not true. That is not true? He bets on every single NFL game. Yeah, he bets like four cents. That's, That's not... Well, okay. Anyway, if you want to get off your one-yard line, just do a QB sneak. Like they, I don't think I don't I don't agree with that. I don't want a QB sneak with JJ in the ECU well, game. What they were doing, and they were allowing them to have two guys running at Zinter, so they did not have enough blockers. Well, the number of guys who were pinching into the middle and so running in the middle. I guess we have to. This is a good spot to talk to talk about the tackles. I have no idea how yeah. Miles Hinton got in the starting lineup. I do. Go. They're rotating all their tackles. Okay. And so uh, next week you're going to see two different ones. Yeah, I guess. And I they're mean, just seeing what they have because this is a preseason game. But, like, there's a couple of those plays on the mm-hmm. first drive where Hinton doesn't really touch anybody. Yeah. And I'm like, you got to touch someone. And his pass pro late was iffy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I mean, I've, I spent most of the tackles, like, post being like, I don't understand what's going on here. I still don't. Because when Trente got in, mm-hmm. like, 
Well, we know what he is. He's moving people. He's going to be good, or at least fine, if not the worst. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think his, he's going to start next week, and I think there's going to be no looking back. He's going to be right tackle. Well, I, I think that's probably the KJJ thing all over again, right? It's just like, all right, we're going to put this guy out there, and if he can win the job, and when he doesn't, we'll bring in the guy we think is going to win the job, and then it's his. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, I mean, it... it it doesn't make sense to me either because uh, I think Zinter was saying that, you know, his favorite guy to be next to was Trente, right? Yeah. I mean. Like, we'll give Zinter what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. Let's let's do that. Left yeah. tackle? Did you see anything with Barnhart? Um, well, I think it was telling that after the first couple of drives, they were really left-handed in their running game. Like, the quorum burst off the left was behind Barnhart. I don't think I saw any pass pro issues with Barnhart. I saw a fair few with Hinton. So yeah. I think he's more likely to hold on to the job. We'll see. I assume Henderson will start next week. So Henderson didn't even play till the fourth quarter, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, they didn't... They didn't... They did a ton of rotation in this game, but it was like first team OL the whole way, plus Trente is the bonus guy, and then they flipped the whole line. Mm-hmm. And they had... <clears throat> It was Henderson, left tackle. The left guard was... El Hadi. El Hadi. Mm-hmm. And then... Crippen. Crippen. Andrew Gentry. Gentry was the right guard. The yeah. right guard. And then Trente. Yep. And to me, the reason that they flipped Atterbury over is Gentry. Because they were moving him inside. I don't think he's going to be inside long term. He's six foot eight. He's a perfect tackle prospect. Sure. No, he's six foot... Five or six. He's not six. Gentry is not six foot. He's eight. not. No, that's I, what he's. That's like his whole like vibe. He's supposed to he's, be like. I mean, I saw him standing next to Miles Hinton, and they were definitely okay. there was definitely a height difference. But like he's he's reputed to be like a primo like, tackle prospect. He is. Yeah, he's a Stuber kind of like he's just massive. So like thick. Like I think he's second team guard this year just because they want to get him in the mix and then he'll be a real contender for tackle next year mm-hmm. you know was it weird that was it just percy just not available like he didn't play at all they just have so many tackles man they... so he's like not even on the two deep no but he wasn't on the, we knew that because they got four tackles who are quote-unquote starters and percy's not one of them that's true so that's not really a, a yeah. huge surprise i mean percy was on the ryan hayes track anyway so like it's funny because he played a lot last year, played a lot in the spring game. Well, he had to play last year because he had to play, but like he got beat up in the spring game. Yeah, that's true. By Derek Moore, but like, you know. well, I mean, we'll get to the we'll, we'll, we'll get to we'll that get to the defense. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, um, and then we haven't really touched on the wide receivers who had excellent day. They're good. Uh, one equals one. The CJ's new, the catch. New, new math. Like, well, I didn't bring this up. The throw, the high McCarthy. throw. Yeah, yeah, and it was behind him. Yeah, and that's. I mean, that's a catch, man. That was, that was probably the catch of the day. That was even probably though, like, Roman Wilson outperformed him because because yeah. but that was that's probably his best catch of his career. No, he. I mean, that was a really good catch. I mean, I guess if it's you're just, high and behind, I mean, him, if you're talking about just catches, maybe that's what I mean. Is like bringing not in a like ball routes or anything. No, 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 no. Okay. no. I'm just talking about like maybe. bringing in a ball. Like that's a difficult one because you're go, you're. He's cutting hard across the middle, and to go back like that. Well, I mean, this this is one of the controversial things I was talking about in the season preview. Is that like I just didn't think that losing Ronnie Bell was going to have any impact. I think you are right because I mean, one game, but one game, but yeah. like 
that performance from those guys was was excellent. I, I saw it in one spot where I really wanted to have Ronnie Bell. It was the play they ran after Train, where um, Roman Wilson is trying to block that cornerback, and the cornerback just like blows him right okay. backwards. And Johnson's sitting there like, "Hey, uh, what, what's going on here, man?" And then Edwards just has to turn it up inside and gets four yards, three yards. Well, yeah, okay. And I'm like, that if that was Ronnie Bell, that was actually that play was pretty well set up. But I'm I'm gonna make that trade, right? Like. <laughs> yeah, Wilson's probably yeah. never going to be the blocker that Bell was. No, no, but like you have a slot receiver who can get over the top of an Iowa safety who's starting at eleven yards. I'm just not going to sit here and take very much. I'm, like a lot I, of Ronnie Bell. I'm, I'm not, but but, <laughs> like, what, but if you he look, was a good blocker, and he, that yes, something he was. To the, and to if you offense. look, but if you look at the efficiency of the targets last year, yeah, the other guys were more efficient. And I think that's in part because JJ was locking on to guys, and they weren't running as much play action, so there weren't as many guys running open. And <clears throat> I just think the combination of a, of a activated JJ, more play action, fewer heavily covered receivers, and then the fact that those guys are either going to not have as many contested catches because they're Roman Wilson, mm-hmm. or they're going to be better at them because they're Cornelius Johnson. I just think the vibe of the wide receiver core is going to be better this year. Because we all remember that Rutgers game from last year. It was like, someone help your quarterback out. Yeah, right. But when you look at the catches, like Wilson had six, Cornelius Johnson had five, Loveland had four. I mean, those are the guys that you want to get the ball to. I mean, we, you know, we'll talk that throwing to Edwards and all that stuff and, you know, a couple of his catches. Yeah, were, were, were runs. Runs. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, that's good, right? Like, you want about five at least catches for those guys. Yeah, I mean, I think the ideal situation is the end of the year. Wilson, Johnson, and Loveland have all about the same amount of targets. Mm -hmm. And like last year, Ronnie Bell had twice as many targets as Johnson and three times as many as Wilson. And that extended even in the Illinois game when Devin Witherspoon was on Bell and they're still throwing to Bell. It's like, we got other guys. So hopefully hopefully this year we see more diversity and where the ball's going and a great start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, I think Carrico called Johnson um, Carmelo English at one point. I was like, that, that's not something you should so be that, doing with a fifth-year guy who's but so that's, playing that much. That's like, the thing is you've got an eight, you've got goal. a six, you've yeah. got a five. And, like, Michigan that's, played That's their, usually not his fault. It's usually the spotter's fault because uh-huh. the spotter just got the number wrong. And usually you don't see Michigan play that many true freshman wide receivers that much in no, game but, one. No, but, I mean, I would understand it more if you called Carmelo English Cornelius Johnson. It was the other way. Like, if – if you see number six make a catch, it should that, that spotter should be. I don't well, know. That was, in that any was case, small thing. It was a point about how Cornelius Johnson gets kind of forgotten about, and I think he was a little forgotten about in this game. Like Roman Wilson became the target. They threw the first one of Roman Wilson. He dropped it. No, it was or, punched out. It was punched. Well, he, he had an opportunity to catch it, and then he was bobbling it, and then it got punched yeah. out. I, that was that's yeah. not going to be a drop in my charting at all. You think that's, so? That's that's probably going to be a one. Okay. Anyway, because he's he's yeah. in the process of securing it, and then the guy just punches the ball out. That's great play by the defense. It's sort of like yeah. spoiler alert, but Sab on the other end. I was gonna say Mike Sanger still, but whatever. Oh. <laughs> I remember that play. Uh, I thought he had like the half second you need to make the to secure it. Yeah. But anyway, they went back to him the very next play, and he makes a great catch. Um, it was you know over his shoulder, and he had to like stab his hands up there and bring it in, and he made the catch. Under duress, it's probably going to. I'm guessing that one's going to be a two, at least. For the sure, yeah. One, and then they kept on going to Roman Wilson because now he's established. And Cornelius Johnson was. I mentioned one already where he was just forgotten on the backside. There were a lot of times when he was, or he was running downfield and 
you know, they went with the mid-read, and the mid-read was fine. And well, they got, like, to Loveland, and they got some yards. And then Cornelius Johnson was just wide open downfield. All right, but, you know, if he's wide open downfield, but your first read is also open, you're never going to get to him. Right. So that's not, I mean, because J.J. McCarthy completed 26 of his 30 passes, <laughs> we have a pretty good idea of where the targets went just right. on the catch numbers. Right. <laughs> and the, <clears throat> So it was, like, eight for, for Wilson because there were, were a couple that, didn't come off and five for Cornelius and you know I I think you're going to see some games where it's Wilson I think you're going to see some games where it's Loveland I think mm-hmm. you're going to see some games where it's Johnson but really encouraging day from I think everybody who was targeted yeah and like Freddie Moore had a couple catches yeah and he I came I, in and I mean you know that again that's true freshman that's playing and they trust him enough and he caught the ball I mean yeah. he had more catches than um, Tyler Morris but so was he he was dinged. Hurt. Yeah, he was dinged. Because he mm-hmm. played a couple of a few snaps. Like, I don't think so. Did he not? No, no I, I don't s- think so. I, I saw. I saw him in there. I thought I saw him yeah. in there. He's but number eight. He was. He was in there. All their numbers are the same. Well, three, <laughs> five, six, the, eight, nine. The discussion in the offseason was that he and Peyton O'Leary were were dinged and yeah. weren't okay. going to play. So but okay. I think he he didn't play very much. I think he was dinged up. Yeah, he's and. Just the talk from the offseason, like there was no question who the number three guy was. Yeah. It was Tyler Morris. Um, so. I mean, Frederick Moore, they were hyping him up this week because he was going to play a little bit. Do you think that McCarthy was, you know, he was throwing those undressed most of the time there, but they were, like, they were completions, but they, they got no yak. Do you think Frederick Moore didn't adjust correct? Do you think, correctly, do you think they were just off target? I or? honestly did not. Yeah, I was going through the game. That was not something that I was focused uh, on. I, I want to get hot. I want to get really I, excited I mean, about that because like you're over. Sam keeps on telling me like Frederick Moore, Frederick Moore. Yeah, but you're over under on like meaningful Frederick Moore catches for the rest of the year is probably five if the, tops. If he's their number four receiver this year, yeah, he, he's he, not their he number four of, receiver. Is he ahead because, of Clemens? No way. Because he's probably not ahead of Clemens. Uh-huh. He's probably not ahead of O'Leary. Uh-huh. He's pro- He's definitely not ahead of Donovan Edwards or Colson Loveland. Mm-hmm. So you can't just say, okay, we got three receivers. You don't because you have Loveland and you have Barner and you have Edwards. Right. So. Uh, can we get to Barner? Do we want to get to the tight ends now? Or? Sure. Uh, I was not excited about his his blocking. No, I wasn't either. Yeah. He looked he looked skinnier than he looked last year. I remember him being thick. Yeah, he looked thick in the spring game even. And, and like I was just like, what we, I mean, I was like, we don't need two flex tight ends. Right. We got... We got a flex tight end. Do they have another in line? Uh, another in line? Yeah. Trent A. Jones, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So, no. Well, I mean, Hibner could qualify. We haven't really seen but him. But he's yeah. hurt, supposedly. Yeah. yeah. Marlon Klein is another, like, he's a bean pole. Flex. Yeah, he's a flex. He's a super flex. And then, like a, so I think your second ball. blocking tight end is, is Bredesen. Yeah. Uh, they were using yeah. him as a tight end a little bit. Oh, he's he the move tight end. He had an interesting game. I thought he had some really good blocks. Yep. Yeah, and I, he's he said all the right things about being a fullback where he's like, thonk, thonk. Yeah. <laughs> and he got and the, they PA'd to him and threw Yeah, they the got the catch. Yeah. That was the one time they tried to control the backside end. Is that yeah. was, you could tell why a portion of why the running game was struggled on that was struggling on that play because it was like, yeah, let's just leak the fullback out and he was wide open because right. that backside end is just like tearing after the running back. Yeah. Yeah, they knew Michigan they they knew what Michigan wanted to do. Michigan knew what they wanted to do. We I mean we came out how often in a six with six linemen and Max Bredesen. I mean that doesn't even bother me. Because that's like, <laughs> all right, we're gonna beef it up and they got a couple of their big runs on on those twenty two personnel packages. Mm-hmm. You know the whole stuff where it's like, okay, we're going to have a mesh point that's not really active. I, not not a big fan of that. No, no, because that just gets corn blown up in the backfield, and 
you know, where there was one time where he was doing that and he starts bouncing around. I'm like, don't, don't, do, just go down, go down. <laughs> like, yeah, this not. is not. It's <laughs> like the Bill Belichick telling Gronk, you don't need to drag five guys like eight yards every play. Right. You're just going like, to die. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's have some more season of let's, quorum before we do this. Keep some tread on your tire. Well, yeah. he said that that was the first time he'd been hit since the Ohio State game. Mm-hmm. So well, he I was mean, completely off limits. Oh, you mean because in, in practice? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I can definitely buy that. So I think there's probably some rust there. Yeah, uh, which is fine. He's Blake Corum. We don't need to like worry about him, <laughs> right? Uh, no. Um, and, and you then, still saw his shakes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I still Blake Corum. <laughs> there were a couple times I thought Donovan Edwards could have bounced outside of a cornerback and tried to get some more yards instead of just kind of burling his way through. Again. I mean, I just go back to those clips from last year where he he threatens outside and then jets upfield and mm-hmm. I like. I think that's really going to... He also did get the sideline a couple times. He did, because yeah. Michigan was running some of those... Uh, it's kind of like arc without the arc, where they just let the back go, the, mm-hmm. the backside end go, and then he crashes down, and the back's path just takes him outside of the dude yeah. before he can even react. So. Which is almost perfect for Edwards. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's a... And then he got to the edge and just jetted past the safety and turned that into 20 yards or so. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's definitely something that's part of their potter in the menu and then in the second half they went more outside zone because the duo stuff was just getting crashed because yeah. if you it, duo is hard to to run when you have linebackers who are like blitz ball like keying on it yeah because yeah. as soon as you initiate those doubles the linebacker goes through the gap yeah and so play action control that but if opponents are just doing that against michigan's ground game you're gonna have to run some other stuff yeah, the, the whole point of duo is the running back and the linebacker are now in a one-on-one battle. The linebacker well, and then, the target right away. There is no battle. There's well, just linebacker in the The point of it is that the linebacker has to make a decision first right. because the defensive tackle is two yards downfield. Right. And so he's got to go in one gap, and then the running back can be like, I will go in the other gap now. Right, right. <laughs> well, I can do this. Yeah. So <clears throat> it kind of reminds me of uh, – Remember when crack sweep went from money to, like, we mm-hmm. can't run this anymore? Yeah. It kind of feels like they're going to have to just drop the duo out for, like, half a season mm-hmm. or seriously de-emphasize it and then come back to it after they've established a bunch or of other stuff. just run a ton of play action right behind like they not they, they did not run a lot of guys across the middle, and they could have easily. I mean, they, did you see a single slant or RPO in this game? No. So that's how you attack that because that linebacker is abandoning his spot. Yeah. Uh, and I think, but I don't even really need, they, they just went under center and then they would run play action and guys would just cross the line of scrimmage. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> now we will throw behind you. Yeah. They didn't have that spooky Northwestern thing where they knew when we were running all the time. That's not how you say spooky. Spooky. Is that better? Yeah. All right. Do we have any other offensive takes? Uh, I mean, is Loveland too good to be, bo- like, too so good he's boring now? Because there well, were I mean, I don't think... Good Loveland moments there. Yeah, I don't he think... Had he had a butt zone catch. He, I don't think we needed it to, like... He didn't change expectations. For no, him. but it, like, it was interesting to see how, like, he turns and all of a sudden just the linebacker is just no chance. Like, yeah. Yeah. We yeah. know that. <laughs> we know that. Yeah. Lathan Ransom was like, oh, no. It's <laughs> happening again. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, talk about the defense. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. 
UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family reunion, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, Certified Financial Planner, Founder and President at Peak Wealth Management. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. When you're watching the game, everyone knows what the score is. But you might be at halftime of your career. Do you know what the score is? Are you winning or do you need to play catch up? If you're behind in the second half of your career financially, we may need to run a hurry-up offense like John Navarre in the 2003 game at Minnesota, or run a three-quarter court press after a made free throw like Coach Howard likes to call. My team of CFPs at Peak Wealth Management are here to help you understand what the score is and what you need to do to win. Your spreadsheet doesn't tell you the score like we can. If you're going to spend all your free time watching replays of the 2021-2022 Ohio State games on repeat, you need to outsource your financial planning and investing with us at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. At Peak, our goal is to help you retire with peak confidence. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's This weekend, at venue, Sklar's, us, football, yeah, beer, yeah, cocktails, food. It'll be a great time. 
Yeah, just just bring your wallet. Everything's gonna be a la carte. You can park here and let, uh, for fifty bucks until it runs out. It's right next to the stadium. Yeah, right next to like right across the bridge. So it's a great spot to tailgate. They got a beautiful outside. We'll be able to watch the noon games and then we'll go to the game and then afterwards you can go see the Sklars. Yes, sir. Defensively, Michigan almost pitches a shutout before, of course, the aforementioned sad field goal. And I think this felt different than playing a Hawaii or a UConn. Like, their quarterbacks had a little something to them. Like, Mm -hmm. they weren't completely limited to throwing within five yards of line of scrimmage. You know, their offensive line may or may not be complete trash, but it felt like... There was absolutely no way that any run up the middle was going to gain anything. Yeah. And it didn't matter who was in the game because Michigan was rotating. I have never seen them rotate. Five, right? Five DTs. Five DTs. And Cam Good got Five defensive ends. Mm, Yeah. No, because they brought in Guy, yeah. Yeah, the TJ Guy was actually second string. He was the second guy. Oh, with... He was in front of Stewart. In He's terms in of front of him, well, in terms of snaps and getting oh, on the field yeah, yeah. first, okay. Well, and they didn't use Harold very much either. He was, I, I well, well they, like he were, their he DMs, was wrapped in bubble wrap too. Their DNs, they they started Harold and McGregor, mm-hmm. and then I thought they brought in Stewart and Moore in the second. And and it was it was, it was Guy and Moore as the second unit, and then Stewart got in in the second unit, like uh, like Good did, <clears throat> or like Benny did. So they had two starters. And then they had three guys rotating at the, at the DT the and second. DE spots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and it would be one unit for three or four plays, and then yeah, the I mean it was unit. drive and drive because the drives were short to start. Right. And then and some. Then, and when they actually got a little traction on offense a couple of times, yeah. you see them switch out after four plays, right? Which is nuts because there appeared to be almost no drop off. Especially when Kenneth Grant is stunting through and just like oh my god he was he, just a monster. he might have been the best player on the defense I don't I I don't know if I can no. say that because when the starting defensive tackles were in like they were getting yeah, pressure up the gut one thing that did jump out on a rewatch is that you know they didn't get any sacks in this game but mm. the amount of pressure they were getting on the quarterback was immense and it was interior pressure yes a lot of it was yeah. did they get a lot of hits I know that Grant hit no but they got a ton of hurries like. Yeah. Like, it just felt like they were getting the ball out as quickly as possible. And one of the reasons that they didn't get any sacks is that one of their default responses was just like, okay, we're going to try a fade. Mm-hmm. Because fades, you can get them out quick and you can get down the field and maybe you get lucky. Yeah. They did not get lucky. Um, not, well, he had a couple good throws on those. Just, no, yeah. I mean, yeah. there were a couple of opportunities, yeah. but they couldn't they yeah. couldn't convert them. Like what you're saying about Garcia is like, I, I mean, he seemed not, maybe not like an an awesome quarterback, but he, he, he wasn't bad. I mean, and he had what three or four really nice throws. Yeah, he he, he was inconsistent, but yeah, he had he had, he has ability. He's just not all the way there. He might th- be like fifth or sixth in the Big Ten. <laughs> he might <laughs> start for a while. Uh, let's uh, let's save that for the hot take segment, guys. That would be good. All right. Um, <clears throat> so you have this incredible depth in your line, and then. The other thing that really jumped out to me is they start rotating in Houseman on the second drive. Mm-hmm. And that three, I think they probably had about equal snaps, those three guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Houseman looked good. He was the best linebacker, and Barrett was well, not bad. <laughs> I mean, Barrett, Barrett was fine. Barrett did some I mean, they all did, did some, They all did some things yeah. that were very impressive. I mean, there was some open field tackling by Colson that was amazing. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Barrett was really... IDing what the play was and firing really effectively. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Houseman looks like a dude. Yeah. 
Yeah, he did. And he looked a lot bigger than last year. Well, he's a freshman last year. Yeah, but I mean, last year, he, <laughs> last year he was a 219 pound freshman for Nebraska, and he was like rocking guys back like he was a 240 pounder I mean, he, he, in this game. He thumped some guys. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, like you said, this line might just be ass. So, well, they, it's for linebackers, it's much less about just the offensive line, it's more about you personally having good recognition, getting to the ball, and like. They were clean, yeah. yeah. But Michigan's linebackers were clean a lot last year. And oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't cleanliness though. Mike Barrett would trigger, and he triggered well, and he probably would have the the play wrapped up against anybody with when he triggers that. Yeah. In this game, he trigger hit that guard, and the guard would be flung back three yards. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's not going to keep happening. No, but I I thought that. That was extremely encouraging because linebacker was a spot at which we were like, oh, we don't really know what we're going to get here. Mm-hmm. Colson was Jonas Mouton last year. And it feels like if Colson is still Jonas Mouton, which I don't expect him to be, you know, let's put Houseman in and it'll be fine. Yeah. And Houseman could play middle linebacker, too. They were moving all those guys around. So Barrett was always weak side linebacker when he was in. This is one thing I was paying attention to in the rewatch. And then Colson uh, and and um, – Houseman were both middle linebackers, and then Houseman could also play weak side linebacker. So those that's kind of your rotation right there. Yeah. But they're going to keep Barrett at weak side. They're going to use Houseman as either one, and then Colson's a middle linebacker. And, I mean, Colson, he, those open field tackles have always been there. But I did not see him running the wrong way. I didn't really see him hesitating at all this game. I mean, this was hard because, as we mentioned before, the pass protection was so iffy that there yeah. wasn't really time for a quarterback to sit back in the pocket and read his own and, and for him to cover grass because yeah. they were just going to do a fade. But there was uh, – so the fade to Sab, uh, they all were showing blitz ahead of time. Colson gets – really close to the line, and he drops back and takes away the first read, and then the only thing you could do was throw the fade. And Sab was actually giving the play away, I thought, by stepping uh, too, a little too wide, which tells you that he's got inside protection if you're a smart quarterback and you've read that stuff a zillion times. So Sab had given away the play, and they still had to throw that one because Colson dropped right back into his spot so quickly. And that's what he gets you. He's got the athleticism the other two just don't have. Yeah, and the secondary is missing two starters, probably the two best starters. Mm-hmm. Like you have Rod Moore who and Will Johnson. Well, I don't Page didn't play a ton. He he, he played, played early, but they played yeah. a lot of Quentin Johnson. They played a lot of Sav. Yeah, that was Page did not look hurt though. <laughs> he nailed yep. that one dude. Page I mean I, I thought he he played about as much as you would expect if you were totally healthy. Uh-huh. Um so you get a lot of uh Josh Wallace, and mm-hmm. then opposite him is Keyshawn Harris, who they didn't really test. Yeah, yeah. Like, which was weird. I, I mean, they, that's, that was not their their offense was not able to attack, like sit around and like wait for these guys to get yeah. open. But if you're going to throw at someone, isn't that the guy you're throwing at? I mean, UMass transfer or walk on? It's like I don't know. But Wallace looked Wallace looked good. really good. Yeah. The, the near interception on on the fade, he he had his head around immediately. Mm-hmm. He knows where the ball is. He's able to change his momentum and has the body control to get a hand on it. And then, unfortunately, the wide receiver's out of bounds and he touches the ball, so it's a dead play, but he, he's able to bring that in. Um, and it's what you wanted to see out of him, right? Yeah. Like, maybe he's not the fastest guy in the world, but it seems like he's got everything else down. He's got the instincts. He has an absolute ton of experience. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, I think the prediction I made in the season preview is that he'll hold that job. Like, they're going to see a lot of people rotate through that spot over the course of the year. But, you know, against Ohio State, it's going to be Josh Wallace out there. Yeah. I remember I talked to Curry Hicks Sage in the offseason. He is, like, the one guy who will watch UMass. Like, I, I don't know why he does this to himself, but okay. he's a UMass fan on Twitter. And, <laughs> and he um, and basically said on Wallace against the run, great at setting an edge and not a great tackler. He just gets run over. And I thought we saw exactly that. He was great at setting an edge. And, and he, Did so, he blow tackles? He didn't really blow any tackles, but like they were not having him make the tackle. Okay. The entire idea was you just set up out here, fight the guy as long as you need to until someone else arrives. That's fine. And Yeah, and that's how they're going to use him this year. And then you, know, you saw Sab take the starting spot with Moore out, and he looks competent. Mm-hmm. Not an offense that is really going to stress your safeties in terms of busts and that kind of thing, because. But he got singled up on a, I think a fade to the tight end, mm-hmm. and that was like the first series. Yeah, yeah it was the pl- I thought, play I was talking. About I thought earlier. he kind of got beat, but the ball was underthrown. He just didn't get his head around. Yeah, he, he's he's just got his uh, helmet in the guy's chest, and he mm-hmm. kind of incidentally PB. But if that's a better throw, if it's a better throw, you might be able to get in the butt zone. But his ability to be in that area makes it very difficult for a completion to okay. happen. And it's he, not ideal, but it's not. Bad. And he's so big, and his arm was so long. You saw when he put his yeah. hand in the way, there yeah. was nowhere to catch it. You would well, have to jump really high in order to find a spot against him. And then, so I mean, you remember when Don Brown decided, okay, we're going to put Levert Hill on the slot fades? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he'd get his head around, and it would be like, oh, man, this is amazing. That wasn't Levert Hill, but his athleticism was able to get him in a spot which was more than passable. So it's something he's so a young player working on we're it. kind of excited about him going forward. Like what you saw today projecting forward is like this is at least this is I mean not this is not something where you're like all right, you're going back to practice because that you're not there yet. Yeah, it's hard to really glean a whole lot about a safety in this game except yeah. for the occasional opportunities. But you saw fade. things like that and then he gets the PBU on the uh, what the the best throw of the day by? Yeah. Oh, he yeah, punched that ball line. out. Oh, yeah. yeah, he punched that out, and they had to review it. And like, I'm, I was glad they reviewed it because I got to watch that punch out a couple of times. Like, he made that up. He made up the ground, and he got in there, and like, he had his hand on the ball to strip it out, and then you know the receiver basically kind of lost it on the way out of bounds. But like, that was a gorgeous throw. He's a guy that a, you're kind of excited to see in the next couple of weeks because I'm assuming he's going to get more playing time and you just want to see more reps of him on a field yeah. like that. Yeah, you want to see what's going on. Yeah. I was. I, were you surprised that Barry didn't play as much as I, Sab? I, I was a little surprised. Um, well, I, no, not, so not necessarily. Guy, but, I guess what well, I was... Well, earlier, I mean, like, you know, I mean, Barry didn't come in till so later on. I thought it seemed like Quentin Johnson was sort of clearly... Ahead, ahead of, him of on the Barry, chart, which is—I mean, he's a—it's a safety spot where being a veteran is extremely helpful because you really don't want to make mistakes. Yeah, I, I don't want to be the guy who's always hating on Quentin Johnson, but like but the two plays go. that they had, the the two play the two times they moved the ball were when Quentin Johnson was playing too far off and didn't get there, and then I it, it, the they moved him out and Sab comes uh make make made a play like where he just covered a ton of ground and like I. I don't know why. I, I do know why, but I don't think that Johnson's going to be able to hold on to his job all year against those guys. Well, we'll see. And then we saw uh, Hill get in a little bit. And then, interestingly, the other cornerback who came in late was DJ Waller. Well, and, and McBurrows played in the slot. Yeah, McBurrows. So he was confusing because he played – 
he changed numbers too. It's, yeah, he's, yeah. So, but he is, he, he, he is uh, he's the backup to Seymour still. Right okay, now. and that makes sense because they're going to need someone for that spot next year. Yeah, so it seems like we have a pretty good idea of the defensive depth chart now. Mm-hmm. Um, we had really encouraging performances from basically the whole defensive line. We haven't really touched on Derek Moore, and just he, he didn't necessarily produce a ton in this game uh, for the reasons that we've discussed before. But I just think physically, the way he moves around the field right now, mm-hmm. I, I just can't see him not breaking out. Like I, he seems like he's just going to be a monster. He, I mean, he's a lot thinner, and he was still in, granted, their line. But every time he put one hand on a guy, that guy was moving. Right, and there was those plays from the spring game where he was just bulldozing <laughs> right. Michigan tackles. Not the best Michigan tackles. Uh, yeah, Tristan Bounds is a little far down the depth. Yeah, chart, but right? still, like his ability to just absolutely blow up a guy, that's, that's something that not a whole lot of people have. Yeah, and they also stunted him, and he got around really quickly. There's well, that was, one of the, that was one of the interesting sort of sub-themes is they stunted a ton a lot. of this yeah. Game. yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that's – it can't be because they're worried that they have a weakness there and they're trying to cover up for it. I think it's probably just, you know, they, they're in year three of the Ravens' defense. They've been repping all this stuff. They get mm-hmm. a lot of guys back, and they're like, all right, so we're going to also be tricky. Yeah. We're going to be physically dominant, and we're going to show up in spaces you don't expect. I mean, I think this might – going forward, this might be like – they're going to double Jenkins, and they're going to want Michigan's going to want to get that guy available there. And one of the ways that you can get around teams that are just keying on on your best player is to you can double Jenkins all you want. Go ahead. Yeah, I, Michigan has other guys that right. if you put them in on single blocking. Like I'll take that. You can have Mason Graham single blocked. No, but I if but yeah, I'm saying if they are going to give that guy extra attention, and then you're stunting him, then you're you're getting destroyed by a stunt because there's no way to adjust from that and then turn around and, and find the, the guy coming through you. Like, what, man, like, Grant got got through there really fast. Grant, but also, and he stunted <laughs> a couple times. You yeah. see him coming around, and you're like, oh, Lord. Yeah. That's so, <laughs> that's a so it might Lord, just be like, he coming. Here comes, <laughs> the, here comes the Mack truck. <laughs> that was the, uh, yeah. the Sam Rastill interception was he's, yes. just, yeah. he's yeah. coming through, and it's like, oh, God, this guy's going to kill me. And, yeah. Oh, and then he just flattened Garcia. I think it was Garcia in on the second or third series where he comes around and just obliterates him like with yeah. his belly, and you're like, "Oh no!" <laughs> yeah, I mean, I th- the only thing I could think of in that was the Allen Branch Penn State game in '06. <laughs> I mean, just, isn't Allen Branch the best comparable for him? Was, yeah, was I compare to Jonathan Hankins, who's a similar Michigan player, comparable? Yeah, Michigan what, um, to Allen Branch. What? Uh, how tall is is Grant? Uh, Branch was six six. Yeah. he's not super tall. He's more long arms. That's why I went with Jonathan Hankins. Right, people should remember that guy. He was a monster for Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, but we're Michigan fans. And he so played, we in, don't, played in Detroit. I don't know. It's, so in any uh, case, like he looks ahead of schedule because for guys, yeah, for guys his size, you're like, okay, this is going to be a two year project, and then year three will be pretty good. Mozzie Smith was the same way. Mozzie was. Yeah, he might have only, he played in 21. So yeah, you're right. That I was mean, he three. so he had so as a sophomore, Mozzie had like 49 snaps or something. And Grant matched that exceeded it, I think. I think by a factor of 2 as a true freshman. I think he's ahead of Mozzie. And I think 
I ain't def- I mean, he's absolutely ahead. Mozzie was on 2019, not a 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So he would have been. I mean, so it. And 2020, we were seeing Hinton a little bit, but, but barely any Smith. Like that's the thing is like with Mozzie that it's hard to really like talk about what you're saying because I mean I don't know are, are we really even talking about the 20 season like I. I I don't really take much of that very seriously. So then Mozzie is basically the, his oh. second year playing football, oh, in God, my opinion. I, f- I forgot that. Is I the 21 that that year. The so then series. in that situation, you're talking about a defensive tackle physically and mentally in year three. Yeah. And that's just a different thing than, you know, a running back or a lot of other skill guys. It kind of feels like, though, if Michigan had to stick Grant in the starting lineup, that would be okay. Yeah. The only thing with him is, you know, how many... Snaps is he? Can he handle? Right. I don't. I don't know. I don't, I don't think he's out of shape at all, though. He didn't no, look like. But that. we're not going to find out. Right. No, because be like just a... have too many of them. Oh, you're slightly winded. Sweet. Bring in the next two guys. Well, and that's the ideal situation to have for this guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's a monster. He's yeah. got burst, and maybe he doesn't have endurance. But you don't have to wonder about what's going to happen to Grant in the fourth quarter, right? Because even if he is tired, like Mason Graham isn't going to be tired. Also, how many snaps are any of these guys going to get in the first two or three quarters before November? Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm not expecting a lot of long drives I, in the next two months. I'm, I'm trying not to read too much in the ECU's line because they replaced everybody except for one guy, and I think that guy got hurt in this uh, in this game at one point too. So. Still, like the the what Michigan was able to do, where it's like any any run up the middle is zero yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless it's the quarterback. Well, scrambling, scrambling, which is a one of the reasons for that was the edges too. Those guys are slam. McGregor was just a wall. And that's a big deal because last year he was I, – I was calling him like a redshirt junior up top and a redshirt freshman on the bottom because he was just not – his knee was the problem. Yeah. So he never got to get his legs in shape. And this year he just looks strong. So you liked him yesterday? Yeah. Okay. I thought he was – his job was mostly just to like – Get into that tackle, push him inside, or the tight end or whatever. There was no edge. There was a couple times they tried to run zone read, and they got the handoff. They got, you know, more set up on the other side, and he gave them the the zone read. And there was just nowhere to go because McGregor just set such a small edge for them. Yeah, and that changed when Josiah Stewart was in the game. Mm -hmm. So he got edged twice. Mm -hmm. And I think those were the only times in the game that Michigan got edged. And so that's why I think he came in after TJ Guy. Yeah. <laughs> and Guy actually made a couple plays, too. So, Well, Stewart's just, I don't want to call him a gadget piece, but he's kind of, like, situational, isn't he, at this point? Yeah. And Michigan's putting him out there, and they're trying to get him to be not situational, I would imagine. But I kind of get the vibe that it, his playing time this year is going to be Uche-esque. Mm-hmm. Right. He's just a passing down guy. Yeah. I'm fine with it. They need somebody who can do that. Yeah, I mean, it was Taylor Upshaw last year, so he's probably going to be a big upgrade on that. Right. I mean, even I mean, honestly, isn't that what Ojabo was a lot in the twenty-one season? I mean, he, they, they no. would they would no, take Ojabo, but got they would to be take him off. The of, Ojabo they, over the course of that season passed Jalen Harrell as the okay. as the starter. But but, but by the end of the season, that yeah. was not yeah. the, the first month or so. I mean, honestly, if I'm predicting like what a serious game passing down line looks like, mm-hmm. I think it's McGregor. And Derek Moore is the ends, and then Jenkins and Mason Graham, because just in terms of from what I've seen, I I think it might be a year for Stewart to put it together. Now this is very little sample size, but sure, we'll, sure, sure. We'll, we'll see. I mean, Stewart was the only guy who did really kind of get a an edge within seven eight yards, 
And uh, like I think the one time people have fans wanted a hole, but it was just one of those things where like no. the lineman gets his arm around it. Yeah, and all yeah. fans. Yeah. I mean, if you do, but, if you call that, <clears> no, I, I, I'm over. not. I would. I never I mean, advocate he, for that. To he be flashed with his rush, but he yeah. does look like a pretty one-dimensional yeah, player. Right, but. The rush is an important thing because we haven't really seen it from McGregor. We definitely haven't seen it from Harrell. We haven't seen it from uh, Moore has a rush, but we've only seen him bull rush before. We haven't seen well, moves. From yeah, him we're we're gonna we're gonna get there. Okay. Yeah. We don't have Larry Johnson <laughs> stealing money from us at defensive line coach. All right, we're gonna take a break. Come back. Talk about uh, special teams. There is no game theory. Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president of Peak Wealth Management. Your MGO financial coach. And it is our goal to help you retire with peak confidence. Check us out at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Bo says the team, the team, the team. Lately, my mantra has been the plan, the plan, the plan. Check out the Trust the Plan podcast. Search out my name, Nick Hopwood, on any platform and give us a follow. You know, we haven't updated this ad in over two years because since the last versions went live, we only had one Big Ten loss. And honestly, I'm a little superstitious. But for this ad, I just want to give a shout-out to all the loyal Wolverines and MGO blog fans who've reached out to us from as far as France, Japan, Seattle, San Francisco, Dallas, Florida, New York, and of course, all over the great state of Michigan. And you guessed it, we're pulling recruits out of Ohio as well, just like Harbaugh. Thank you very much. So no matter where life has taken you after your time in Ann Arbor, we're here to help you build a plan you can trust. If you're looking for a second opinion, visit us at peakwm.com slash blog today. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Winewood Organics is Ann Arbor's only cannabis microbusiness for adults 21 and older. They're a grower, processing lab, and dispensary rolled into one, cultivating and producing flour, old-school hash, edibles, CBD products, and more. You can find them across the street from Kroger on South Maple, just west of downtown, and at winewoodorganics.com. Veterans and MedCard holders save 10% on all orders, and first-time customers save 25%, as long as you're not wearing scarlet and gray. into our season preview. <laughs> it's horrible. Seth, give me your hottest take. 
ECU's sad field goal just goes to show that Jesse Minner is not ready to be a head coach. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because head coaches in football are supposed to be insane people. And he was just like playing prevent, letting them kill the clock. Like, let's get out of this game. He wasn't trying to get the shutout. He wasn't trying to get the shutout. And an insane person who could be a head coach of a football program in college football, yeah. he would have gone for the shutout. He was putting it on his players. Earn it. No, he would. I mean, he had so many backups in at that point. He was just like, "You're like, okay, we got to get Mason Graham injured, like uh, Mike Morris in the God. Nebraska game." I, I'm, I'm not saying it would have been wise. I think that I would have done the same thing, but I am not head coach material, am I? No. And Jesse we can Miller, all agree on that, Seth. That's debatable. You might be an OL coach. Seth. I could be. I could not be an OL coach. Have you been met an OL coach? No. Yeah. You know, there's no way. No. No. I could. I could be like an analyst. That's like the highest yeah. I could go in college football. I would All be right. a video. So wait, Seth, are you saying you would have liked to seen more blitzes? I'm not saying I would like to have seen it. I'm just saying Jesse Minter is not a head football coach. All of you who are out there hiring football coaches this next year, uh. he is not a football co- a head coach because a head coach would have gone for the shutout. Randy, give me your hottest take. Don't write any hot cakes until you've seen the Ohio State game. <laughs> I had some pretty hot, hot takes about our offensive line, about our running backs, about our uh, inability to sack people, and the 30-3 to sad field goal, Dave, score. But then I watched the Ohio State game. I'm like, we're all right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yep, that's about right. Dave, give me your hottest take. Nebraska's NIL is so bad that their players still need to procure their own cash. I don't understand. Didn't one of them get arrested for burglary? Oh, that guy. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that guy's that guy is not getting the hookup. Well, he's trying. Well, he's not. He. he nah. <laughs> I thought that was good. Nobody <laughs> laughed at all. <laughs> Do you want the one I was? This is funny. This part is good. (laughs) Somebody said our our photographer sent me that one. Okay, and I was like, "That's funny." I laughed. Okay, which probably means that Brian and Seth won't. Well, I just (laughs) I just forgot about the incident, so it just didn't make any sense. Here's the one I had. I prepared if you didn't have one. Why did the Pirates kick a field goal? He was trying to hook it. Oh, God. (laughs) Jason, give me your hottest take, please, very quickly. Michigan should never run the ball from inside their own two-yard line or inside the other team's own two-yard line up the middle. It's Craig. Craig is on the podcast. He said up the middle, which I agree. up the middle. You got to do some, like, you got to attack some other gaps every once in a while. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Fake it up the middle. Go around the end. Pull someone. Do something. Got, something. Hook someone. Anything. They varied it. Sometimes they went A gap. Sometimes they went B gap. Stop it. <laughs> Never again should they ever do that. Sometimes we need they to get went in the JJ. other B gap. That's three different plays. I want JJ to have fifty touchdowns. Uh, 50 touchdown passes this season. I want that to happen. In order for that to happen, every time we're inside the two-yard line, he needs some sort of little pass. You're just trying to recruit wide receivers. Goal line fade to Colson Loveland four straight times. It's going to work eventually. Why were they not putting a number 90 on Trente Jones? 
like I don't know. They they could have done that and like flipped the ball to Trente Jones for a touchdown, and then we yeah. would have been like, oh, this is the game that Trente Jones got a touchdown. Like they could have done that. You can do that in a game that isn't the ECU game. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, anyone else is more serious. Like they might cover him. ECU mm. is just like Michigan just wants to run down the middle, and Michigan's like Michigan wants to run down the middle. All right, here's yeah. mine. Ohio State has the fifth best quarterback in the Big Ten. <laughs> Yeah, All right, Ryan, we said hot takes. That sounds All right, like wait. my takes. JJ. Yeah. Drew Aller. Tanner Mordecai. And then. Cade. Arthur Kaliak Manis. <laughs> no. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no. Oh. Cade. Right, right fine. There. Cade. He had a nice game. Cade, yeah. Cade had a great. He threw a fade. Cade threw, Cade a, threw a fade. Cade threw a fade. Fade Cade. But it's we, the first time Io has gone downfield in like four years. Yeah. And so. <laughs> And Since then, pre-COVID. <laughs> yeah. But Brian Ferris is one point short. He can't, he, he needs to average twenty five points a game, otherwise he's gone. Well, they and he only got twenty four. They took away like a third of the football game with the with the new clock thing from Iowa's perspective, at least, because yeah. they always run the ball. Yeah. And they're going to run the clock down. So. I think also, saying Iowa's quarterback is better than Ohio State's quarterback it qualifies as a that, hot. That's take. fair, but it, you also forgot Tualia, right? Oh yeah. Oh my God, it's not a hot take. Yeah, Whoa, but he's yeah. one point better. He's, he's, he's one point Yeah, we better, forgot Tango Vailoa. Yeah. All right, so sixth best quarterback in the Big Ten. Noah Kim wasn't terrible. <laughs> no. Nope. 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 Not no. going there. Stop. Or the, the stick that Illinois has. What's his name? No. They, no. Altmaier? Altmaier. No. He, he can run a little bit. No, he's no, gonna get no, 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 no. All right. We have an event coming up next weekend. Yes. Yeah, so the uh, the stars have a uh, three shows. The and stars, the scars, the scars, the stars, scars. The scars. <laughs> yes, the there name. it is. Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> the the scars have three shows: one on Friday, two on Saturday. If you show us a ticket or you show us an excuse why you don't have a ticket to one of those, you can come to our tailgate at venue, which I think is going to start about eleven o'clock. Well, they need like a doctor's note. No, they just need to like make up an excuse. Just be like, all right. So, but yeah. so we're not going to say it kind of starts at eleven o'clock. We're saying it starts at eleven o'clock. Starts at eleven o'clock. Right. Yeah. You can have food and beverages here. Yep. Uh, Buy whatever you want to here. They have a. They'll have everything a la carte. They'll have a full bar going. They'll have all sorts of food here. You can hang out with us. You can hang out with the Sklars, and then you can see the Sklars that night. You can have like a, a day that's just wall to wall Sklars. It's great. My kids will tell you how great it is every day to have a walk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. See you next weekend. Thank you. All right. Uh, special teams and miscellaneous stuff. Uh, I think we should start with Tommy Doman, who's got a cannon. Um, I think he had punts of like 44 and 45 yards that were obvious fair catches. And one, one from the end zone. Where one of them was he was backed up. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, like... I don't think that this is going to be a downgrade from Brad Robbins at all. Well, isn't that what Harbaugh said? It's like, well, he has one of the best legs I've ever seen. Yeah. So, like, and he has the tendency to be a little bit uh, boisterous in preseason press conferences. Yeah. It does not appear to be the case in this situation. No, I mean, those, the, the few punts that he uh, got off were like exactly what you want. Um, so I think he's going to be that guy, especially because his kickoffs were also just bombs mm-hmm. when he wanted to. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, he, James Doug fogged it. Uh, well, and <laughs> one of those times and got them to take it out. And, and the, the, the crazy thing was the hang time on that kickoff mm-hmm. was such that I was like, please return this. <laughs> <laughs> I yelled. I was 
because that, that was my, my seat was down low in section three. So I was like right by that return. I'm just like, bring it back, bring it back. And so, I yell, why did you listen to me? The, uh, <laughs> so I, I think he's, he's going to be a star. Like he, he looks yeah. like, like leave early star. Oh, well, he's a punter. So probably not, <laughs> but I feel like, uh, I feel like he's that guy. And then, uh, James Turner had a real weird game. Uh-huh. Because he missed an extra point. That he yanked, right? He just kind of... Yeah. And then he hits probably the best field goal of his career. Mm-hmm. He was one well, of- so we'll, we'll talk about that. So he gets a practice, right? And he drives it low and makes it from 50. That's yeah. probably good from slightly over 50. And then he gets to kick the real one. And it's like, oh, Quinn Nordine's on the field. Uh, not quite, but that no. was, that was probably 60, 65. No. Yes. He, he had 10 at least on the end of it. That was, that was halfway up the goalpost when it went through, man. And then, and then the second attempt from 50 plus is a shank. Uh huh. So, but has the distance. Yeah. But I mean, he was pushing it. That was, that was somebody who was trying to put all of his leg into it yeah. and you lose your accuracy. So at that. what point do you say, okay, we're comfortable with you to this range and then we're going to go get the guy who explodes footballs for kickoffs. <laughs> like, I mean, right? Because isn't that I, what Michigan did with Moody and with Nordine early on? Yeah. And, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that, right? Like, okay, this is a 55-yarder. I, I'm not going to feel comfortable with a guy who missed the shanks an extra point. <laughs> like, it's gonna take, it takes me a moment but to like, get over that. That's Turner. That's Turner, So, at yeah. what point... Are you okay letting Doman, Doman kicking the bomb field goals like uh, inside of X yard? I don't. I don't know how accurate he is on those. Well, right that's yet. True. I mean, he's obviously now, he's got the he's leg. Now two of eight on. Uh, oh, you mean uh, we're talking Doman. about Doman, Doman? Yeah. I mean Doman. All we know is that as a recruit, he was highly regarded as, as a combo kicker. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, ah. Uh, and he, and, he, and the thing with him is you have the leg, and that's the thing when you're going to kick yeah, I'd say, from distance is, like, you have to have the leg. I'd say if it's a 55-plus, it's probably Doman. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, return units. Uh, we did not see Alex Orgy out there for the one kickoff that Michigan acquired. I don't yeah. think we saw Alex Orgy at all. No, we? we did not. And Very Jake Thaw got most of the punt returns, <sighs> and he was – in a difficult spot because he got like line drives that are right on the sideline mm-hmm. for the first couple. And well, the, the first one he let bounced way too many times. I, I he at least fixed that. Yes, and that the, he did do. And the one time he actually managed to get a return, he did look a little bit a little slippery. But it really feels like Caden Colas are out there. Just catch the punt. Who? Are, I mean, at this point, we're back to the baseline of just just catch the punt. Yeah, I that was I. The guy was you – know, he shanked it and so it kind of dribbled on him like that. And I could see why you it don't want to mess with The second one, yes, because that went to the side. I mean, the, both of those hit like right on the edge of the field and mm-hmm. stayed in. And then like a lot of the times that's just going to be a shank. So I don't know if that was that guy being or an incandenza or if it was just you know, luck. But the first two were very difficult to field. And then – I don't know. I think he just got spooked, but yeah. Hopefully, they put an English late. Yeah, which he, that was not one of the options, and I, I'm, taking no. a, I'm taking a victory lap for that one because I saw it in his film when I was as a recruit, and well, I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I hope that they kind of get someone established in there over the course of these first three games. Well, we should be seeing a few more punts. Yeah, there'll be opportunities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh and then miscellaneous stuff. So the first thing that I did not say in the offensive section that could be applicable there, but I tried to chart um, the first 
down passing percentage in the first half because mm-hmm. that's when you have the aggressive game plans. Michigan was 11 of 16 throwing on first down. Yeah. That's 68 to 69%. Like That's that's, that's different. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, hyper-aggressive. Michigan was usually like low 40s-ish. Well, it's I not think hyper because you're responding to what they're doing. Yeah, I think they saw that sure. first drive and they yeah, were like, Sure, okay. but I mean, I've never seen Michigan do that. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't chart the TCU you, game. It's got to be in context, though. They're doing that because they like everyone okay, but, can't TCU them. But in context, we saw games at the end of last year where teams were hyper-aggressive and it took Michigan almost a full half to really – get off their run-focused game plan and go to the air. Like, Michigan had done nothing in the Ohio State game until yeah. halfway through the second quarter. Yep. And they saw one drive. They saw how ECU was going to play them, and they're like, all right, JJ, go go to work. Yeah. So I think that's that's progress. I also forgot something on the offense. Uh, Khalil Mullings, mm-hmm. his, when he got in and he got his carries, I, I'm like, that man is super agile for his size. Yeah. He was able to. You've always said that. I know, but it's different when you're not playing in a spring game because he's actually got real opposition. You're not going up against walk-ons or whatever. I know it's just ECU, but he was able to hop over a gap. He was able to dodge tacklers. And then when you do tackle him, it's like, okay, rugby scrum time. So Yeah. There were two of them in this game. <laughs> I know. Yeah. They also yeah. brought him in in two back sets and had him block for yes. a yeah. couple times. And that, that I think, is uh, something that is – really worth looking at yeah so i think i think you might see him uh emerge into a, a real role this year and i'm i'm, I'm happy for him because he's really been behind the eight ball <laughs> for yeah. much of his career because he had to play linebacker because mission had, well, no had to play both for one year <laughs> yeah. anyway yeah uh, and then ben hall was kind of he's pipping him and then paul looked really good in the little he gave him only like two runs yeah but i mean he Got shifty in the backfield. He made a guy miss and then got uh, got around the edge. A but yeah, I think got a run. I think my marker is back on Mullings after this game. I was, was team Hall next year, and now I think I'm back on Mullings. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> miscellaneous stuff. So uh, new scoreboards. They, they they're much bigger, but the actual replay part of them is the same size. Uh, <laughs> I. I don't really need to see the fact that there's a game that starts at 7.30 so, yeah. over and over again. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's – okay. That's a good point because I personally like like rotating through scores a lot because if you're not getting it on your phone and you want to know what's going on or there is a good game – I mean, TCU Colorado is a perfect example, right? Like that's an interesting game that has attention that we can't see. And so getting the score updates – I do agree with you like, okay, I don't need the Thursday scores that happened two days ago yeah. mm-hmm. or the Friday night scores, and I don't need the games that are being played tonight. But if you're cycling through 10 to 20 other games that are going on, I think that's not a bad thing, Yeah, and in I, my opinion. And they also got to get the Saudi Pro League up there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, I was watching FS1, and they put up Saudi Pro League scores. I was like, well, there, there are – what <laughs> is going on? Well, because there are – People, I I know, but there is there is literally no one in America who gives a crap about what Al, Al Hilal did but, today. But people like some of the players that are. Yeah, but they don't care about okay, the Saudi anyway. Pro League. Well, you brought that up, probably because it's their main investors now. So anyway, uh, um, and then they also had a lot of stats up. At, at, most of the time. Now, some of them were a little like, these are like rush only things. Yeah. But I think having, a, I'm okay with. Slightly smaller replays uh, on the board if you're going to have the correct out-of-town scores and you're also going to have the correct stats. I mean, I feel like when you have a replay, 
that you can take that stuff down for a second. Wait, yeah, put it up yeah. when you're going to actually well, – also when you actually show a replay, which yeah. they didn't always do. The, but The stats I thought were, were too big. Like you could have fit yeah. way more on that board. Yeah, it's all yellow, which is really well it was appealing. A, but that that's was, for the that maze was for out. the maze out. I oh. actually, yeah, okay. The, I think what happened here is that they were the originally we weren't going to get the scoreboards done in time. I think the people who program what goes on there probably had like a day to figure out. Oh, I see. all of it. Right. Well, le- yeah. then let's just tell them what they should be doing. Yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> and what I feel that they should be doing is when the game is going on, they have the same set of stats consistently. Mm-hmm. And then during commercial breaks, they rotate through rotate a bunch through. of stuff. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, it, like, and they don't need to be <clears throat> massive, but, no, they, should, but they should be pretty constant. And it was – it was the way they were doing it was bad. It was like uh, attempts, 11, completions, 13. It was like right. just 11 just, to 13. Yeah, what yeah. are we doing here? Yeah. We did have to keep Craig from running up there because he like brought in a weapon to try to chop them down. The scoreboards? Yeah, he's, he's against the scoreboards. He doesn't – I don't think he wants it to be scoreboards. I think he doesn't want to know what the score is. Okay. Well, that's... Or the down. Great. Um, officiating uh, was somewhat kind. This is the most... This is the plusiest officiating game I can remember. Well, there was, there was the replay <laughs> that we've discussed in the offense where, mm-hmm. oh, he, m- he was might, might have had a toe. And then Stewart's <laughs> running off the field, clearly on the field when so, the ball is snapped. Yeah. I mean, they're holding the ball because ECU substitutes, so Michigan's allowed to substitute, and... It's late in the play clock, yeah. and Stewart is not hustling off the well, field. Well, he is, and then he slows down and, like, starts going at a much slower speed, and then the referee is like, well, if you're going to do that, I'm going to let him snap it, and yeah. then they do, and so then he's and on don't the call field. It. It's like, okay, fine. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't think that should be a penalty. So that's the equivalent. If you, if you make absolutely no impact on the play and you're rushing off the field, just, okay, it's that's fine. That's the equivalent of being offsides in soccer if you're, like, standing in the corner. Yeah. 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 Or, I mean, hockey figured this out years ago. Like, you know, are there too many men on the ice? Okay, for a second, yes. But they're on the other side of the ice. Right. It doesn't matter. Like It's not material to the play. Right. right. He was not involved in the play at all. They were The offense wasn't looking at him or anything like that. If It's... The idea of getting that persnickety about the rules when it doesn't matter is is silly, and they should just do that because teams have been gaming this. Yes, right. So like, maybe yeah, that, he was slowing down in if, order to prevent if, them from. If that him. happened when there wasn't a substitution, like Michigan's trying to force a substitution when the offense doesn't substitute, right. then yes, then that yeah. needs to be a penalty. But in that situation where they're giving you a chance to get off yeah. and you decide to have a picnic lunch before you leave, like, well, I mean, yeah, get your butt off the field. But yeah. like, if the play clock's running down. Which it was. Mm-hmm. It's not fair to the offense. Yeah. To like stick him with the delay of game. Right. Because... Or make him take a timeout. Yeah. So just let it go. And then if the guy's not material to play, let that go too. Anyway. Right. That targeting call, that targeting <laughs> penalty, that guy should be out for six games. That was egregious. Yeah. That was that not sh- not not apparently to the broadcast because I, I, I rewatch. I was like, how are you not seeing this? I know. Yeah. I, I was just just baffling. The, the broadcast, but that was a launch mm-hmm. into someone's helmet. I mean, a half game for that is nowhere near enough. That was well, it's a full game. He missed this half, and yeah, I guess. Half. But like that's that was a disgusting hit. I I mean, that was exactly the kind of hit you're trying to get rid of when you're right. You're you're trying to take out the other team's quarterback on the sideline. Yeah, and it was it was completely superfluous. Mm-hmm. It was it was unnecessary, and it. Could have knocked J.J. McCarthy out with a concussion. Which Big Ten team paid him to do that? From the state. Um, (laughs) 
It was. I mean, I was. I was extremely upset. I, I, I think that when it's that bad, one game is not enough. All right. Do we have anything else in this segment? Yeah. I mean, the so the rolling clock bothered me because you know we've seen it in year we in, in week zero, and it was like it took away some of the games. But so let's just before you get into this, let's clarify what is the rule. The rule is that the clock doesn't stop when they move the chains anymore. But it does Except inside, inside two of minutes. Two, two minutes. minutes. It, yeah. So it's only two minutes. Only right. two minutes. The first of the half, not quarter. Yes. End yeah. game. Right. But should it be like? Should it be drill. like five? So that it's they not should, just they one drive. Get rid of this entirely. This was like I like that they stopped the clock. It, it, it all they're doing is they're taking away football. Yeah. And when you have a team like Michigan that runs the ball a lot and runs the clock down, it felt like it had a more impact than it was supposed to. Yeah. Because people are like, oh, well, you know, week zero, the number of plays per game was down by like five or six. Per and team it, or total? Total. Yeah. Okay. That's not that much, is it? It, it felt more. I was a lot more. So each team had nine drives. And last year... That's not teams, that unusual. That's not, not that for unusual. Michigan. But last, no. last year, similar games against non-conference opponents, each team in all three games had 13 drives. Well, think, part of that was that Michigan didn't score any right, long right, touchdowns. Right, but I'm, I averaged it out a little bit. I think you lost probably two drives per game. Well, and like Chip Kelly was like, I hope you guys are selling a whole lot of ads. Uh-huh. And yeah, but Chip Kelly is like the king of, I wish I had 150 offensive plays. I know, but I just it felt like it had more impact than it was supposed to. And of course, I, I loathed it. Um, <laughs> well, especially because... The game's on Peacock, which doesn't need that many ads. Well, people on Twitter were like, I am so sick of seeing the five Peacock ads. Right. But anyone who's had any sort of streaming, like if you get the MLB package. Right. But how much much are they actually making on those ads? Like, I understand that, like, ads on actual television go for a lot of money. But when they're advertising, like, you know, Better Call Saul's. Then the legal services, they're not making any money, the and they're still taking timeouts with 19 seconds left in a quarter. The yeah. thing that you've said that they need to do is like the soccer stuff where you sort of shrink the screen a little bit, put up an ad around the outside, and then well, just play the game. Also, like when there's a 30-second timeout, just stick in an ad. Like that's – then there's yeah. 30 seconds we don't have to spend. Isn't that how ads are sold or like 30-second spots? Yeah. yeah. And when there's an injury or a review, you just immediately go to a commercial. Because they went to a commercial for one I mean, of the, the ECU injuries. No, you show it once and then you boot it. <laughs> or don't have many commercials. Have like the, no one. No one needed three minute commercial breaks there. Right. Peacock did not need it. People are paying for the streaming service anyway. If you're paying for an elite service, say, hey, look, you want? Guess what, guys? You're on Peacock yeah. today. You don't have to sit through three minute ad breaks four times. So a I, I agree with that. I don't think there's a lot of games that are solely on a streaming service. But well, there's going to be nine this year. And the funny thing is, like, what's the main attraction of Peacock? The EPL. Oh well, it was Notre Dame, and now the Big Ten. Well, but the EPL yeah. is like their model is just like we need subscribers. We don't need ads. We need subscribers, but they want to. Not when you can get both, Brian, that's when more get, money. Well, they're not getting any money for it. It was just such incremental revenue to be such a pain in the butt to everywhere. It's, it's hot in that stadium. We're all sitting there yeah. watching. The, the game is – the competitiveness of the game just is dwindling Seth away. still thinks throw it's us, about the fans. Throw us a bone, you know? Yeah. Like, throw us yeah. a bone. Well, no bones. 
what you no what you don't want to do is cause the revolution. I listen to a lot of revolutions podcasts. Great. So uh, like, we're gonna so take we're, a break now. But and we're we gonna are talk getting to, Jamie. to that point. This is Matt Demrest, the owner of Homeshare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from Emigo Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use Homeshare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself used them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our company. Loan. Brian used them, you should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com, that's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E, lending.com, slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me, kind of an annual tradition, Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue? Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, equal housing lender. I can't believe I'm doing this. If you find yourself in the penalty box, you want a Michigan man arguing your case, call criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul tonight. It's 248 and 924 or visit his old website at michiganlawgrad.com. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or app application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable communication. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. So you know what you send a 
Welcome in Jamie Mack of JustCoverBlog.com to talk about the Big Ten. We've got a lot of games because it's a non-conference schedule, but we're going to start with a conference game of great relevance to Michigan. That would be Ohio State 23, Indiana 3, in a game where it was immediately apparent that Indiana was not going to move the ball at all. But after an 80-yard touchdown drive in the first quarter, Ohio State really couldn't do anything against the Indiana defense. And, uh, you know, they got some production out of uh, Chip Trianum, but uh, Henderson goes for 47 yards on 12 carries. Uh, Egbuka and Harrison combine for 34 receiving yards, which is not a lot of receiving yards. Kyle McCord puts up a 20-33 for 239 yards in a pick line. And I don't know, man. This is not going to be the number one offense in the country in SP+. And the kind of thing that jumped out to me is that they were going under center successfully a lot in an attempt to be more man ball, and it just didn't work. Like, they got stuffed on or third down after third down. Mm-hmm. And I know that they're trying to increase that power success rate, but it just doesn't look like they have the horses. No, not at all. You know, that... Uh... Uh, tackle from San Diego State, you know, really struggled. He got put on his butt once or twice. Uh, Indiana sent a lot of blitzes his way that were successful in getting pressure. And Ohio State, you know, as the game wore on, had to commit extra resources on that side of the line. And anytime you can you can do that, that's a win. That, that means less, you know, receivers that you cannot cover on the field as a result. Um, and like you mentioned, they definitely – it was like last year again on their third and fourth and shorts – you know, they tried passing a couple times in those situations and it didn't work. And like you said, they got stuffed once or twice. He, he actually, like Ryan Day actually went for it on a couple fourth and shorts. But like, I mean, maybe he was wise last year to punt because they're, they're not able to, they try to get outside a couple times and Indiana was ready for that. I mean, Indiana had a really good game plan. Tom Allen's always. Yeah, I mean, Allen is able to put together some good game plans against ground games. Yeah. I mean, we saw Michigan kind of scuffle against Indiana, you know, significantly last year. But, you know, it's never mattered against Ohio State before. Right. It has never mattered one iota that they can shut down a a ground game because they just pass all over them. And in this game, I mean, they hit a a deep shot to Cade Stover where he rumbles downfield. But other than that, it was was a, a grind. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and Cade Stover still has struggled blocking. So, I mean, anytime you see him flash that big play down the field, just remember the next time they're going to hand off and he's probably going to whiff on a block. Um, I definitely like Tom Allen's game plan on defense. I thought that was great. That looked a lot like the 2018 through 2020 defensive effort that that made us, uh, you know, believe in Leo and all that stuff. But he had no game plan on offense. The game plan on offense was let's see if we can't cover the 30-and-a-half-point spread. Yeah, I so mean, down they the tried line, a triple be... option. That was cool. No, that, that was cool. That was cool. But they were they were averaging like two yards a rush. They kept rushing it. It'll be very interesting to see what happens when they play a more competent defense that doesn't have the quarterbacking issues that Indiana has. You know, because, you know, it felt like Indiana wasn't really threatening necessarily. I don't know. I was pretty crabby with the way IU approached it on offense. And I was actually watching the game with an Ohio State fan. And he admitted at halftime that he was cranky and nervous. So that's the quintessential IU experience. Fans of both teams watching the game together, <laughs> cranky about their team. <laughs> I mean, it does seem like this is going to be a major come down. And Absolutely. not like the, the Ohio State offense is going to be bad necessarily. But they're 
coming off a streak where they put up a graphic during the game where the last four times they've put a new starting quarterback on the field, they have finished in the top five in the Heisman voting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it just doesn't look like it's going to happen. Like, you know, um, McCord, he had some nice throws, uh, but mm-hmm. just, you know, had a lot of errant ones, checked down a lot, didn't yep. really have an opportunity to go downfield. They did get one touchdown to Harrison, but Harrison uh, went out of bounds. Wow. I just, you know, he's not going to be bad, but he doesn't really look no. like the reincarnation of C.J. Stroud. Yeah, like everything with Ohio State, we judge against Ohio State in the past. So, yeah. I mean, if he's like a, if, if this is a B level passing performance for Ohio State, that is definitely a, a decline. That's better than most teams in the country still, but it's not the uh, it's not the offense that's been scaring us to death for going on about a half a decade with their passing attack. I thought McCord. You mentioned the checkdowns. He definitely was not interested in being aggressive downfield because the Indiana pressure was getting to him, whether it was Aaron Casey and the linebackers blitzing or their transfer, Andre Carter, coming in uh, on the, on the, off, the, off the edge from his DE position. So that, that's, that was something that struck me. They just didn't seem comfortable or confident being aggressive down. And they're going to play teams with uh, better horses in Indiana down the line. That Notre Dame game looks really interesting in a few weeks. Yeah, it does. All right, moving on. Michigan State 31, Central Michigan 7. Very similar story here where, you know, kind of deep into the third quarter, this is still a game where Michigan State's up 13-7. to Uh, The Central Michigan quarterback is a true freshman who cannot throw the ball at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's able to squeeze through line and, and make some things happen with his legs. But in terms of what we learned about the Michigan State defense, the answer is probably nothing. Uh, on the other side of the ball, Noah Kim comes out and has an absolutely awful first quarter before recovering and looking somewhat decent. Uh, and it's hard to tell exactly. I mean, it's just Central Michigan. It's the first game of the year. But I, I don't know. Were your in opinions of uh, Michigan State 2023 affected by this game much in any way? Not really. I don't have much expectations for 2020. Struggling with Central Michigan, which is predicted to not be – they're definitely a bottom-half MAC team. This yeah. That was definitely uh, that was definitely just too much of a fight. In a way, it was expected. You know, the Michigan State fans, they, they kind of bag on Peyton Thorne a lot, but, I mean, I think that they would – be much better off if his senior season was in East Lansing as opposed to Auburn. And they really miss Jalen. We've talked about the fact that they just don't have a lot of depth. And those two playmakers, it might take them all year to find new guys. Yeah, the only thing I thought that was working for them offensively was Jalen uh, Jalen Berger. Who, yeah, which I, I – yeah. And I remember in 2020, he was a breakout freshman for Wisconsin. He's still kicking around. Yeah. Um, I mean, so they, they've got that. They, they've lacked a running back for years. So, it's, you know, they've got that piece. But um, this is not. We'll see. What I, what I was trying to get at, though, is that uh, last the last time that they've, you know, Michigan State does this all the time, right? Like the first two quarters against the Ma- uh, MAC team, whoever they start against, are always mm-hmm. close. And, but usually that's a MAC team that's going to finish pretty high up and this is supposed to be I, I think you overstated even with bottom half of Mac this is not a yes. good CMU team at all no. not at all yeah well in the other event that's 
of note is that on the opening kickoff, Alante Brown gets hit in the head, goes down with the fencing response, mm-hmm. and then is put back in the game. Oof. Uh, and he actually returns a kickoff later in that game. And they managed to get him out of uniform for the second half, but this is like a full-on Shane Morris situation. Yeah. And nobody is talking about it at all. Because it's at Michigan State. I mean, I guess, but... Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're the only people outside of the Michigan State media who are watching a Michigan yeah. State game. It's just uh, that's obviously a, sign, a negligent, uh, negligent sort of health move, but it's also a sign of maybe how desperate they are for playmakers that they weren't willing to sit him. I, I can't imagine that that was the reason. I mean, okay. well, it, you know, because like the guy time to take a shot at Michigan State, though, I try. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it was just a, a, a screw up. Like, it, it, yeah. there's no way that you could have seen that response and and put a guy back in the game. But yeah, he's a good little player. He played pretty well at Nebraska before he transferred. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, moving on, Illinois thirty, Toledo twenty eight, with a last second field goal uh, based off a thirty three yard completion on uh, fourth and four from uh, Altmeyer. What's his first name? Luke Altmeyer, who transferred from Ole Miss, a uh, four-star guy who couldn't break through there, and Toledo holds the lead for much of this game because Illinois cannot get out of their own way. They're committing a billion penalties. Altmeyer throws a pick. It's a very, very sloppy game, uh, and I think the thing that's a little bit alarming for, for Il- the Illini, you know, Toledo is supposed to be one of the favorites to win the MAC, but... <clears throat> Like they give up a lot of yards to to a team that doesn't seem that great. I mean, it's a MAC team. Yeah. Well, they were uh, outgained four sixteen to three seventy four, but Toledo ran eighteen more plays. Um, they were able to move the ball, running with their quarterback and their running back. That it's hard to say that surprised me though, because Toledo for a MAC team is pretty strong in the trenches. And unlike most MAC teams, the transfer portal went their way. They brought in some Power Five guys to put on their offensive line. And I think that kind of surprised Illinois a little bit because Illinois, that's their thing. Their front is so strong. Um, But what do we got here? They ran for 4.4 yards per carry, but that's not sack adjusted. But it felt like anytime Toledo needed to drive that they had it. You mentioned the penalties, though. 90 yards of penalties in the first half for Illinois. That certainly helped. Another thing that helped for Illinois is they had a pick six in this game. Yeah. So they had a pick six in the second half, and then they and they converted a desperation fourth and four heave for 33 yards, or this is a, a win for Toledo. And I can tell you the folks in Toledo are very disappointed about this because they were quietly whispering that if they could get by this game, they could possibly run the table. I never bought into that because I've watched enough Toledo football in my life to know that they would drop a Mac game somewhere that they, that they shouldn't because they turn them all. But uh, they thought they could go twelve and zero, and they almost had this. I almost had. This. I liked their quarterback. I thought he was. He had some on the money throws. He got on the really run. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know Illinois quarterback, the old Miss transfer. I forgot his name again already. Uh, Luke Alt. Luke Alt. Yeah, uh, he looks like a stick. Like I, I, I don't know how much space there is between his chest and his back, but it seems right. less than the average quarterback. Yeah. I, I thought he played I thought he played pretty well. Um, he actually was their leading rusher with 69 yards. And all told, between rushing and passing, he put up a 12.25 uh, EPA for the game. So not gaudy statistics necessarily, but he sort of got the job done. And he can throw the ball a little bit better downfield than DeVito. Um, so 
you know, that might uh, be something to look out for as the year goes on. But I thought this was going to be a tough game for them. The line fell from nine and a half to seven and a half during the day. So a lot of people were on Toledo. Uh, and I'm really interested to see how Illinois plays now against Kansas uh, because Kansas's quarterback is pretty lights out too. Maybe a little bit more athletic version of Finn. So they could be in trouble on Friday night. And I think that game's on the road again. Yes, it is. Oh, no, that, this game was in Champaign, but the game is in Lawrence on Friday. Are you guys well, Burt Leavers then? Is still Burt Leavers no, after this? I, I mean, I, I said I'd wear a shirt if they won, won the West, but that's not, you know, what's going on. Moving on, 24, well, I should say the team first. Iowa 24, Utah State 14. Iowa gains under 300 yards of offense. They do not meet the 25 uh, <laughs> point metric that Brian Ferentz needs to save his career. Cade McNamara, 16 of 29 for 176 yards and a couple of touchdowns. They get... You know, a couple of chunk plays, um, but other than that, looks pretty much like Iowa. You know, Utah State has 10 penalties in this game. Mm -hmm. They throw a pick, uh, and they outgain Iowa by 60, 70 yards, but just can't score enough points. And, you know, I didn't think Cade McNamara was going to be a a game changer for how Iowa is and was, but I was – Kind of thinking that they would get over 300 yards against right. a group of five. How opponent. many plays were there in that game, though? That game went really fast, and this—I mean, we talked last segment about how the you know the clock running is taking away a couple drives. But I well, think Iowa, yes, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. There were only seven drives a team in that game. It just—it felt like it went really quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it started out great for Iowa. They went two for two on their first two drives for touchdowns, although the first one was set up for set up by a long kickoff return. So when you take that in consideration, they only had two touchdown drives that started in their own like like last year. Uh, Cade's yards per attempt were about a yard higher than I was was last year, but you know he started the game eight for eleven for eighty six yards, and they averaged over fifty yards a drive on their first three drives, but only nine for. Uh, Nine for 19 for 105 the final three quarters, and they just couldn't put Utah State away. They had 12 drives, and they had four three and outs. They had one first down and out that gained only 12 yards, and they had another first down and out that only gained four yards. So, yeah, I mean, the number of drives in this game was didn't look much different. Really? Yeah. Also, Iowa got a punt block, so obviously the the world is caving in. All right. We want to. uh, we want to put Eric All's stats out there for public consumption. Four targets, three catches, 15 yards, and a TD. Um, yeah. Again, all told between he and Luke Lachey, 13 of 13 targets of the 30 attempts and 10 catches of the 17 completions went to their two tight ends. Well, that's – I mean, their receivers are horrible, so I, I understand yeah. that. All right, moving on. Penn State 38, West Virginia 15. Uh, game was 14-7 to at halftime. Drew Aller, his first start, went very well, 325 yards um, against a defense that is not supposed to be very good, but made yeah. some plays that seemed pretty opponent-independent, over 10 yards, uh, an attempt, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Ground game was okay, uh, but they were really yeah. relying on Aller's arm. Um, West Virginia, I, I was reading... 
a post on the 24-7 message board, which is just collects things people are saying about other teams. And they had an open practice. The 24-7 guys from West Virginia came back, and they were like, this is the worst team I've ever seen. <laughs> so there, there might be you know, a little bit of a, a correction on you know, the level of this opponent. But so far, so good for the post-Clifford era. Yeah, you know, I was obviously hoping that maybe the Drew Aller debut wouldn't go as well, but it went really well, obviously. I mean, he was really the difference of the game. Both teams kind of rushed the football about uh, about the same. I mean, that is West Virginia's strength. They've got a solid offensive line and a good little running back. But, yeah, that was the big, big difference. 332 yards passing to 162 yards passing, 11.1 yards per pass to 6 yards per pass. I mean – He's supposed to outdo Garrett Green for sure, but he was clearly the star of the game. And they had, uh, let's see if I get this right, eight of their ten drives overall went into West Virginia territory. Yeah, they missed. Icing the PSU kicker works. The only guy, the only guy in college yeah. football you can ice. Yeah, he missed two field goals and he got replaced on extra points. Yeah, they missed a couple of kicks game. when the game was still sort of quote unquote in doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, it's weird. They brought in a Columbia transfer and that guy didn't start. It was the he was the one who comes in and does the extra point later on. Well, it's not like he came from a big school. No, but he, I mean, kickers are pretty yeah. school dependent. Yeah. All right, moving so, on. It's a little, little. Little knee jerky, but we've already talked about Ohio State. I mean, does the Big Ten East quarterback ranking go JJ, Alar, and then McCord right now? I mean, uh, obviously. Well, obviously, and Tungavalo is on there too. So, does yeah. Ohio State have the fourth best quarterback in the Big Ten this East? Is, this is just Brian's hot this take. This is my hot take. Is, and <laughs> should, I, should I watch for lightning after I said that? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was a hot take segment, so we're we're getting yeah. bold with the takes. I, but that was I wanted of, oh. I wanted to note one thing on the PSUW uh, West Virginia game too is. The Penn State defense got they they won a lot of fourth downs, so they mm-hmm. they West Virginia's offense was kind of moving the ball and they were moving ball mostly on defensive mistakes. There were a couple times there were no, uh, there was just no edge for the Penn State defense, uh, and it's obviously something we saw against them uh, against Michigan last year too. There was one play even when. They were running a split zone where, like, the tight end's supposed to kick the eye out. The running back runs into his tight end, so he like nice. knocks out the own his own block. But there's still enough room to to run off the edge because there's just nobody out there. So the I'm a big oh, go ahead. I'm just saying. I was just saying, I'm a big believer in Penn State's back seven, but I am not a believer in their front four at all. I think their defensive tackles are kind of weak and yeah. I mean, other than Chop Robinson, I don't really like a lot of guys on their front. And it didn't really surprise me that West Virginia got some traction running the football. They're athletes. So they, they, and mm-hmm. they have good athletes. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. But the design they of the defense doesn't make sense. They put a lot of spot in as a defensive tackle and he's like 275 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Minnesota 13, Nebraska 10. You can fire the Scott Frost out of the state, but you cannot take the Scott Frost out of the football program. Nebraska had a 94% chance to win this game late in the fourth quarter. Minnesota gets an improbable catch from Daniel Jackson. Uh, one of the best catches we're probably going to see that all year. Yeah. And then I, mean, I still can't believe he caught that. That was crazy. Well, he almost caught a ball before that that was going to be an incredible catch, but his, his toe left the uh, field before he actually controlled the ball. And then Jeff Sims throws a hideous interception to allow Minnesota a last-second field goal. Um, you know, from Minnesota's point of view, and they get the great catch. It looks like Calic Manis is is a 
decent enough quarterback, although he's very inconsistent. The thing that's really got to worry them is that they were not able to run the ball at all against a Nebraska team that was playing freshman defensive tackles. Their identity for the past five to eight years has just been we got Daniel Falele, we got Chuck Filiongo, we got centers that are going in the first round of the draft and we have Mo Ibrahim and their ground game looks like it's going to just drop off a cliff this year. Yeah, absolutely. You you rattled off some of their uh, solid to great linemen that they've had over the last years. They have phased out so much offensive line talent the last two seasons. They are definitely in transition on their offensive line. Uh, from reading post-game stuff, they're still not sure who their left guard, right guard, or right tackles are going to be as the season goes on. So they are kind of trying to find their identity there. I mean, but- yes, they did not, yes, they weren't successful running the ball, but they also didn't try. They passed the ball 44 times to 25 rushes, and they started the second half passing the ball on 16 of their first 20 plays. That's the kind of ratio you would think when you're down like 17 points they were down seven to three most of that time they just put this game on Cal Calicamanis's arm and uh, he was okay he was better on third down than he was on first and second but 4.5 yards per attempt on 44 throws minus 5.4 EPA on dropbacks and five different gophers caught a ball caught at least one pass not one of them averaged more than nine yards per catch so there's a lot of ick with the team that won this game. <laughs> yeah, the team that lost this game, well, I mean, they did it in the way that Nebraska loses games. Like yeah. Sims throws three picks. Uh, one All of them, of them equally as backbreaking as the other. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and it's hard to pick out the worst the end one. Zone, and then those two in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, and he runs for 91 yards. He looks like he's he's able to, to move around quite well and actually has has a decent arm. But, yeah, you can't throw three picks in a 13-10 to 10 game. It, it's just not going to work out for you. We saw exactly the Jeff Sims that the Georgia Tech fans saw and the ACC fans saw. Over his last 13 games, 65 yards rushing, sacks adjusted. You mentioned, you know, 90-plus against Nebraska. But during that time, no other quarterback has as many turnover-worthy plays. And uh, as far as EPA, his EPA passing was minus 14.8 in this Mm. game. His EPA rushing was plus 7.46. Well, that'll do it. Uh, 1,006, Maryland 38. Moving on. Yeah, no notes on that one, guys. Sorry. Wisconsin 38, Buffalo 17. Uh, Wisconsin has moved to a spread air raid offense, and they put up 300 yards of rushing between their top two backs. So (laughs) you can take the Wisconsin out of Wisconsin. It's not not an air raid. Yeah. Yeah. They outrushed him 319 to 122. Now, Chesma Lucy had an 89-yard touchdown run where every guy from UB had a chance to get him, and he just <laughs> outraced them all. But you take that long run out, and they still are at 5.8 yards of pop rushing the football. Yeah, one thing that uh, might be a little bit alarming is Tanner Mordecai is 24-31 in this game, but for 189 yards with two picks. Um, uh, and it's... it's um, he also, Florida fans want him. Maybe Florida wants him. I mean, that's. I mean, he was very good at SMU, but he had some some receiving talent. Uh, Rashi Rice went in the last draft, yes. and he was a really good receiver. And I just don't know if uh, there's anyone on this Wisconsin roster who's anywhere near that. And I think one telling thing is that Braylon Allen 
got seven targets in this game, caught seven balls for yeah. 25 yards. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, yeah, there was some offseason hype that Braylon Allen might get 50 catches, and I was like, that's silly. And but look what happened in game one against the Mac team, you know, they kind of I mean, it feels like he's gonna he get hoping. 50 catches because because they have to check down all year because their wide receivers aren't going to be open. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the thing with Mordecai during his SMU career is every time the competition stepped up while there was a better team in their league or when they played TCU, for example, you know, his stats, you know, went uh, went down. So it, it was going to be a matter of does he have better teammates at Wisconsin to lift them up and maybe not so much in the wide receiver room. Um, also, during the spring game, he threw four picks, and that was the big – you know, like that needs to change. And he threw two really bad picks against UB. He stared down uh, one receiver and then he didn't see a defensive back uh, on another one. And UB was able to keep the game under two scores because of those picks. Yeah. I just want to make a point about Buffalo real quick is that um, Mo Linguist is their head coach. And he's a good coach. We like him. Yeah. And yeah. And a surprise, surprise. What's he done since he got there? He's put together a pretty good secondary. And, well, and, you and know, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. like, the, they were – it made a little bit – I wouldn't read too much into it because what is Buffalo? They're a secondary, and that's the only thing they have going for them. Yeah, yeah. And they're a pretty solid MAC team. A lot of people think that if Toledo or OU uh, don't don't win the MAC, that they might that they might come in and, and take it. But I'm real interested in seeing how Wisconsin plays against Washington State this week. One, step up in competition. So let's see if those Mordecai splits from his SMU days work. And last year, Washington State went into Camp Randall and won 17-14. to 14. It kind of was sort of the dismal beginning of the end for Paul Chris. So I just kind of want to see how this rematch goes up in the Palouse on Saturday night before I make any real statements on Wisconsin. All right, Fresno State 39, Purdue 35. Yeah, they hire Ryan Walters, the Illinois D.C., who put together an amazing secondary over his past few years down there but apparently it's going to take a little bit of time to build because fresno state's quarterback goes for 366 yards four touchdowns on 44 attempts uh (laughs) bit of a year zero for purdue they lost the quarterback they bring back devin mockaby but you know chuck sizzle goes to the nfl and i don't recognize any of these names that they're throwing balls to can, can yeah. I tell you what I found most interesting about that game? What is that? I mean, Walters is going to play man to man. That's his DNA. So he mm-hmm. puts his linebackers, and they had a Fresno has like their best player on offense is a like wide receiver slash running back. That guy kept on getting linebackers, and that guy kept on getting throws that were. Mm-hmm. I, I I was like, as long as we get Edwards safe to that game, that is yeah. going to be uh, Purdue cannot play man defense with the guys that they have right now. And, I mean, that's, like Brian said, it's going to take some time. But it was very eye-opening that that particular player was what destroyed them. Well, I mean, the thing about this is that, yeah, the yards per play, actually Purdue out outgains them yards per play, but they're 11 to 17 on mm-hmm. third downs, Fresno State. Yeah, yeah. And you know what that reminds me of? Don Brown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he doesn't have man-to-man cornerbacks because it's just like, okay, we're going to run crossing routes on third and seven and you're dead. Yeah. Or we're just going to match. They uh, they were just spreading that guy out. They are having the, the running back go out into a uh, receiver spot. He draws a linebacker out there, and then it's just an absolute mismatch. Yeah. Fresno was killing him on slants all day, mm-hmm. over and over again. Um that secondary for Purdue, I mean, talk about an experiment in the transfer portal. I mean, 
their their entire cornerback room are either true freshmen or transfers. So it's a completely rebuilt situation, and it definitely did not go over well in the first game. Um, now they play Virginia Tech and Syracuse the next two weeks. I actually think those teams aren't as good as Fresno. So that's, maybe the Boilers have a fighting chance. I mean, especially Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech doesn't have the coaching acumen or the quarterbacking of Fresno State. It's amazing. The only thing they've got going is the home field advantage, I think. Or that's week, like but. embarrassing. Like Purdue's like got three real non-conference games and, and we're like in the second straight year where it's like, what's the, what's the best non-conference game we played? Probably and, ECU? Yeah, and... Well, and Purdue like scheduled these when they were better teams too. Like they were not expecting Virginia Tech to be like the worst version of Virginia Tech ever. Right. All right. right. Finally. Well, wait, really quickly. That this might be a good time to mention that the Fresno State Bulldogs are the University of Michigan's home opener next year, That's the true. week before yeah. Texas. So, I, I, provided I want, those stay on the schedule, I guess. I yeah. want to get something in about this game too. Purdue had, I think, they needed eight tr- tries to get in from the one in this game. Yes, I'm glad you brought that up. Two different <laughs> possessions, right? Yeah. Or was that one? No, no. On one possession, it took them eight tries because they Fresno because State kept on getting. Yeah, they they threw a you know. When you're down low, you're going to expect some contact, but it was just too much contact. So they got a mm-hmm. um, a penalty for that, and I think they lined up offsides when Purdue went uh, um, went tempo, but they just could not move anybody off the line. No. Well, they had another possession in the second half where they had first and goal at the one. They got at the nine, rather. They got it down to the one, and at third and one, they passed it incomplete and on fourth and one they got stuffed and they were still losing at that point yeah um in the fourth quarter so that's why i mentioned two different possessions i thought you were counting that well yeah. here's the thing with purdue there are they as that game wore on they were playing their fourth string center yesterday mm-hmm. that's a big problem their, their main center hartwig is going to be injured for a few more weeks the second stringer went down about two weeks ago in camp so they were going with their third stringer a transfer from colorado I wonder how he feels about his uh, college choices <laughs> these days. And then so they had to go with their four string. And compounding that is they've got a guard from Bowling Green and a guard from UNLV as their starting guards. So that inside of that line just kind of looks a little disaster zony right now. I think once Hartwig comes back, mm-hmm. things might solidify there, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, they lost on a fourth and two as well. So that, that was a yeah. problem all game for them. Well, this was a fantastic football game, and the spread was only three and a half, so it was supposed to be close, and it was close the whole way. Fresno does this. They always play the Power 5 teams pretty well. Finally. All right, sorry, we've gotten our work. We're Seth and Ryan Wall. Finally. Sorry. (laughs) We don't have to talk about this one because it's not a record 17 Northwestern zero at halftime. Okay. So we're not talking about it. All right. Thank you, Jamie. listen to the MGO Podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook and David Nasternak. We are no longer bird leavers. No!